What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 124 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. We're here on a Wednesday. Yep. We're trying to creep back to Friday. Yeah. In fact, I think maybe next week we'll probably do Friday. Probably. Is what comes? Is anything come out next week? Nothing comes out, but all the, all the God of War stuff breaks like tomorrow. Oh, right. I think. Okay. Yeah. Embargoes tomorrow. I think. Yeah. So, if, so you guys know all the God of War reviews. I think will probably be going up around midnight tonight. I'm guessing. Yeah. Maybe midnight or yeah. I don't know what the embargo time is. Yeah, we have actually not received God of War yet. So I, I, I know Vincent, uh, one of the guys who works with us, had said maybe you guys should wait till Friday to talk about God of War. We've not got it yet. Yeah, so we would, I mean, we could talk about what other people talk about, yeah. but that's not, uh, <laughs> that's not, not exactly what you tune good. in for. Really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, we're on Wednesday. We're going to probably do Friday next week to try to, try to get back on our old schedule. Um, we'll play it by ear depending on uh, what's happened because, man, like we... What, has it been like eight days since we did our last show? Something yeah. like that. And nothing has happened. Not a lot. It has been really, really, really slow in the industry. Probably the worst March slash April I can remember in like... Certainly in contrast oh, to last March. Oh, yeah. It's like night and day. Last year, the early part of the year, we just had bangers just coming out like every week. So we're doing the best we can to make sure we have great shows yeah, we, had for a you good, guys. we had one good week with the uh, sea of thieves far cry yep. and there was that nino one Kuni week all all in one go. all in one week speaking of which i am almost finished with nino cooney too love that freaking game cool. love it all the way to the end i have loved that game it's great story have you finished it yet no story gets real good at the end um i'm just really impressed with that game from top to bottom uh, i know i've already recommended it on the show but you know, at that point, I had played it like 15 hours. Now I'm like 40 hours deep, and it has just maintained the quality all the way through. Um, I'm glad you like it. It's not your usual thing, really. Uh, I mean, I like RPGs if they're good. If there's a good mm. story and the combat's good. We and the, get a lot of those, The though. systems are all balanced. The other thing I would say, too, is that towards the end of the game, it does get more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I breezed through the first 20 hours of it, probably, but the last 10 or 15 hours, I've died a lot. Um, and I can see it's trying to get me to go out and grind, and I'm just refusing to do mm-hmm. it. But what the game does is it will give you new party members that are at the level of the enemies that they're mm-hmm. throwing at you. So if you want, you can put those new characters into your party and you can make it through the game. Um, it's a little disappointing, though, because these characters that you've played with for 20 hours suddenly are like sitting on the mm-hmm. sideline. You get attached. And if you could, if you wanted to, you could go and grind. Obviously, the overworld's there, and there's tons of enemies to fight if you want to. But I've just been using the new guys they give me, and I'm still at like 40 hours or whatever in that game. Big, big game. So can't recommend it highly enough. I'm really, really enjoying Nino Kuni too. Um, unfortunately, we do have some bad news to share today. Um, we got kicked out of our studio. We're not getting evicted. Um, I came in last week, and there were envelopes on every door in our office suite and I've, we've been on a month-to-month lease for literally like a year and a half or two years because we knew that they were trying to try yeah. to farm yeah. the whole building out to one person yeah my landlord's been talking to me about it uh infrequently here and there and he's been saying like look you're good to go until we find one company that will rent out this whole wing and apparently they have so i came in last week and there were envelopes on every suite uh, in this wing, and everybody is getting tossed out. Apparently, some company is coming in here, and they're just going to rent out this mm. whole place. So I knew something was up when they fixed the wall in front of. Yeah, the yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, so like, what was it like two months ago? Like, that a was car, more than that was before Christmas. Yeah, was... a car came jumped off the street and smashed through this wall that's in front of our building, and they didn't touch it for like two months. 
Oh, longer than It just that. sat it there, forever. just demolished. It was like maybe two weeks ago I came up and was like, hey, they fixed the wall. They fixed like the, the wall. It had been almost six months. Well, they've also been doing construction around here. Mm. Like a lot of the offices, I'll come in and the door will be open and I can see where they're in like painting and doing stuff. And that was kind of the first sign that something was going on. And uh, the final sign is that we're out of here. So the envelope said, I have till May 4th to get out of the studio. Oh, may the 4th be with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So... Anyway, uh, we only have a few more episodes of Game Face. It's going to happen here in the studio. I'm in the process of trying to find another studio. Uh, the prices are outrageous. Uh, we moved in here three years ago, man. Over three years I've been in the studio now. And when we moved in here, we got a great deal. And then they jacked the rent up a little bit. And then once we were robbed, he never increased the rent again. Yeah. Well, in that time, the rent in West Los Angeles has just skyrocketed. Yep. I mean, I'm looking at studios smaller than what we have now for like triple the price of what I've been paying here. So I'm doing what I can to try to find a new spot. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. When we have updates, we'll share it with you guys. But yeah, so one thing I am thinking about doing is... Uh, I charge much less yeah. for, for using my living room. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Um, the one thing I will say is that uh, I think I'm going to do an IRL stream on the last day we're in the studio. I'll probably be in here selling furniture to people on Craigslist. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'll be selling a lot of the furniture and stuff in here to people on Craigslist, and I'll be breaking all this stuff down and boxing it all up. Somebody and, take uh, that fridge. Yeah, our mini fridge. I don't know what I'm going to do with that, man, honestly. I don't want to give it up. It's like a kegerator, and I hope one day when I owned a home, I could put the kegerator in my garage and put a keg in it. Mm. But I don't think my wife is going to want that thing hanging out in our foyer at our apartment, so I may have to sell that as well. Uh, but anyway, I'll probably do an IRL stream where I'll just set up some cameras in here, set up the TriCaster and just let it roll, put a couple of mics around the room, and uh, you guys can just hang out with me while I tear down the studio and bid it uh, farewell. So uh, an end of an era. Mm -hmm. Three years. I cannot believe it's been three years yeah. since I moved into this studio. The funny part was I moved into That's this... That's longer than we were in the, the Bundy Olympic building for G4. Absolutely. Um, and I remember I moved in here on January 1st of 2015. And then the site was supposed to be done by then. It wasn't done. So I paid rent for this place for like three months. Mm -hmm. And we weren't even doing anything. Well, and we then we launched, doing, we launched Game, Face Game Face around April. March, I guess it was. It was early March. Yeah, so I paid for two we months. Did, we did rehearsals at the end of February. Right. Yeah, so two months I paid rent for this place. We weren't doing anything with it. Then in February we launched Game Face, start putting that stuff up on YouTube as promo for the site launch. And then finally, like in May, late May, June, the site launches. So it's been crazy. I can't believe it's been three years. To me, it's gone by in the blink of an eye and all the crazy stuff that's happened. I mean, yeah, the robbery and everything. It's just been nuts. So... Anyway, I want to let you guys know about that. Uh, we will have a few more episodes of Game Face uh, here in the studio, but after that, we have to find a new home. So I just want to give you a heads up. Um, any other housekeeping? Um, Twitch Prime, obviously it's a new month. You guys can uh, subscribe to us. I already saw a couple of you guys did in the chat. Thank you very much. MG and Noxa and a couple, and a couple other people subscribed today. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. It does make a big difference. Uh, and certainly it will help if we try to find a new studio. Uh, with the rent and things like that. So um, other than that, Pactor Factor seems like you guys are loved 100. Seems like you loved 101 even more because it's actually game-centric. A lot of people complained that uh, 
episode 100 was mm -hmm. too focused on alcohol and scotch. Well, also, and, like, Marcus was kind of a cameo appearance in yeah. 100, whereas 101 is all just... It's just a legit Marcus. show, yeah. yeah. I mean, 100 was supposed to be a celebration. It wasn't supposed yeah. to be a serious game discussion show. You gotta keep Packer happy. Yeah. Well, I think he's just happy intrinsically. Like, he's just yeah, one of those guys who's always happy. Um, but, yeah, he... Uh, I, I, I agree that 101 was probably a better show if all you care about is games, but 100 was just mm -hmm. supposed to be a celebration. Wanted to make sure we got a lot of his friends to ask questions, and consequently, a lot of his friends in the industry are just like him, and they love scotch and things like that, so yeah. that's how it worked out. So. Oddly enough, people who work hard and run companies like to drink a lot. <laughs> Funny how that works. It there's, helps. There's a lot of stress involved with running your own company. I know that for a fact. So with that, let's get on with the show. We're going to kick things off with craziness in my opinion radical heights. radical heights wow dude i cannot believe did you see the the you know the fake ceo kazurai yeah did you see that tweet look that up yeah. look up look up ceo kazurai on twitter and look at the just nasty savage burn I that he delivered that to was, uh, i thought that account was going away it was, but I th it comes back every once in a while when he comes up with a really good one. That was a good one. Um, he basically said... That Savage is a good way basically to Basically said, uh, this is not the first Battle Royale game Cliff Blazinski has made. Uh, Lawbreaker started with 100 players and was down to one pretty quickly. <laughs> and, oh, brutal. Like, Cliff doesn't need that, but well, wow. Like, look, it's, it's not wrong. We're going we're gonna to discuss this. Um, first of all, last week... Uh, Boss Key, Cliff mm -hmm. Studio, says, we're done with Lawbreakers. We're not going to update it anymore. Uh, we're going to look into maybe making it, go, making it free to play. Uh, but that's the only thing we're going to do with yeah. it. But also, he mentioned it's like that's a big job. Yeah. Like, it's bigger than just flipping a switch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so everyone's like, I okay. think it's the right call. It absolutely is. It probably should have been free to play from yeah. the beginning. Well, yeah. And then five days later, Boss Key announces mm. a, basically a... I would say that Radical Heights is right in the middle between Fortnite and PUBG. Mm -hmm. As far as, like, what it looks like, how it plays. Um, it also feels like this was the game that, like, the people that didn't want to do the the kind of the muted Unreal Tournament-style character design were like, it's like, well, you could... If you want to draw something, go ahead. It's like, they're, and, like, Lawbreakers didn't work, and they're like, ding! There's like, Rohan, by the way, one of my old co-workers mm -hmm. at GT, who was on Pactor Factor 100. Is he, is he the announcer? Or he the, is the in announcer the in this trailer. He is the announcer in the game. I thought, I got, I, it's, like, weird. I booted, I played, like, four or five matches. Oh, you did. It, and I, I loaded the game, like, I know that voice. I was like, hey, it's like that weird thing where it's like, you recognize the voice not because you've heard it in another media product, but because you've heard it in reality. Yeah. And I'm like, is that wrong? Is that wrong? It is. Like, so, Radical Heights is a battle royale game. It's free <laughs> It's free to play. It's I love set, that zoom yeah. on his face. It's uh, supposed to be inspired by the 80s, and it is. Like, when you win the match, like, 80s songs, like, play. Mm. I see, really? see, I think I think more early 90s. Because, uh, like, some of the crazy, like, Zuba patterns, like yeah. in some of the like, it's definitely kind of a late '80s, early '90s kind of. Well, like the thing. the one machine is like Top Gun. Top Gun. There's a lot of Top Gun lines. Um, um, that I mean, that floor is 1991. Or that's Qzar in 1991. Or it's a, a casino in Las Vegas in 2018. Well, yes. <laughs> some things last forever. Obviously, I'm glad you got to play it though. I thought I was going to be a, the only one who had played the game. Oh, well, it's free, so yeah, screw it. Um. Matt, what what's your take on it so far? Um, 
it's a battle royale game. I mean, it's like I like the the over the top kind of presentation. I like the Smash TV style sort of game show aesthetic they're going for, and how like they're trying to make it a little more uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing in the sense that like when you kill a guy, all the stuff, all the money explodes out. Like it's a it's a fun kind of visual when that happens. Um, well, it does have a theme, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. PUBG doesn't have a theme. Fortnite doesn't have a theme. This has a theme. Mm-hmm. And there's like, does it like, work though? Not yet, I don't yeah. think. Uh, but it isn't like also like a bunch of stuff literally doesn't work. I mean, um, like zip lines work about half the time from what I can see. But there's like weird little things like, like I was in a match where suddenly a BMX race started. Yeah, and like everybody got over there, and like we everybody raced on BMX bikes, and then we just and then the race ended, and we killed each other. Well, like, the very was... first game I ever played, as soon as I landed on the ground, there was a BMX bike sitting there, and I jumped on it, and suddenly a waypoint appeared, and I had like two minutes to race to the waypoint. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see where it actually affected anything, though. Like I didn't mm-hmm. get anything for making it. I don't there. know if I agree with how you they drop you in. Uh, because there's no parachute, you just no, sort of you just skydive, you sort of land, and then you do a roll when you and, yeah, you do a little tuck and roll. <laughs> yeah, you're but about the, to see it. But here. the thing about this is like it it means like people just sort of beeline where they want to go, and like there's no strategy really to like like you can't you know because people in like PUBG want to pull the parachute as late as they can so no one sees them and right. stuff like that. There seems to be a much there's a, a little less. I don't know. Strat- this is that's funny. This is also exactly the first place I ended up in. Oh, really? When I played was this fast food restaurant and just. Well, this actually burgers. isn't my footage. I had captured footage with Shadow Play when I was playing this mm. game, and for whatever reason, it crashed Premiere the footage over and <laughs> over and over. I could not get it to render out, so wow. I ended up having to borrow some footage from a YouTuber. I gave credit for the footage there off the top, but, yeah, but it, this I, is not me playing. But it's. Uh... I don't know. I mean, it's it's got a long way to go. Oh my gosh, Matt! Uh, I... It's it's, but it's like I a already long way to go. I already like, like I already like kind of what they're after more than I did in Lawbreakers, um, just in the sense that uh, the building aspect of Fortnite doesn't do anything for me. Uh, but a brighter, more colorful, more humorous version of PUBG is kind of more up my alley. And that's probably a the good way to describe it. It's really clo- it probably it plays closer to PUBG than yeah, it does Fortnite, definitely. without a doubt. Um, I am shocked that they put this game out for public consumption. Um, I was thinking back to my GameSpot days, my early Tech TV slash G4 days. Whenever you would get preview code for games, where they wouldn't let you take video; they uh-huh. just let you write a preview based on it. And I cannot remember getting that. Usually, they would when they would not let you use video. It's because the game was so early; it was literally broken. I can't even remember any preview code I got back then that was as rough as this game. I am shocked that they let the public play this game in the state that it's mm-hmm. in. I mean, there are. I mean, it is a mess. There are text. There aren't some of the places there aren't even textures at all. Yep. Well, look at how like the the cars keep appearing and reappearing here. I. It's, I mean, it is very rough. It's an early access pre-alpha or whatever it looks like. Uh, there's also, I find there's a lot of, um, like, the game doesn't always agree that I'm aiming and shooting at a guy when I'm aiming and shooting. There's a lot Are of, you seems... playing with a controller or a mouse and keyboard? Mouse and keyboard. So I've tried to play this with an Xbox One controller. And when you pick up a gun, if you pick up any automatic gun, it just fires. The guns <laughs> fi- just fire. If you pick up a handgun... It'll fire once, 
and then if you reload after you reload it'll fire it again and obviously that's, in that's these, bad in, well, in like these this. games it's yeah. a death it's a death sentence so you can't i as of right now you can't play this on a controller even though there are controller prompts in the game that are playstation 4 controller prompts mm. it, so maybe we should maybe. I think give... you just blew that announcement. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. But it's. I mean, I am shocked that Cliff, of all people, after what happened with Lawbreakers, that he would put this game out there in the I state of, that it's I in. I kind of get it in the sense it's like, okay, well, Lawbreakers, like they thought they had something with Lawbreakers, and so now they don't really trust their judgment on that. So they're gonna. <laughs> That's really bad. They're gonna kind of build. Your own they're kind of gonna. They want to, and clearly you can see that with like the twi- if you follow their Twitter and stuff, like they want to build this game alongside the community and sort of make sure it's what people want. Um, I think the problem with you when you do that, though, is that, I mean, first impressions are big. Yeah. And, well, and also, the first like, impression of this game in its current state is not good. And also, you can't please everybody. So, no, you're right. Absolutely. Um, um, or in the case of Lawbreakers, they didn't please hardly anyone. Right. They but, pleased me. I thought Lawbreakers was great. But, but, but I mean, I mean, will this like pull people away from PUBG? It's kind of hard to see that no happening. No way. No way. Not in this state. Like, it just... I think it was a huge mistake. I don't know what Cliff is doing, man. I really don't know what he's doing at Boss Key. Like, Lawbreakers at least had some unique concepts to it. This is just, to me, just a shameless cash-in, like, rip-off. Mm-hmm. Well, they keep saying, like, we're, we have a lot of unique things we want to try with this genre. They don't seem to be here yet. I mean, the big um, changes for, at least the big things I noticed that are big differences, other than the, the aesthetics, obviously are the way you get stuff in these machines. Right. You can pay, pay money, like your in-game money to... Well, you but, have to. Like, yeah. I, I could not get bullets until I found money. No? No. I pick up guns, they're empty, and then right. I have to find money... I usually find... And then take the money to a machine and then buy the bullets. I usually find appropriate ammo near the, same, near the gun. I've found ammo um, laying around before. Just my, my first game, I picked up guns. There's no ammo. There was none in the building. I had to run around. I ended up getting killed before I even found ammo for my gun. Yeah, I have not bought uh, anything from the vending machines in this yet. Oh, wow. Uh, but I found a fair amount of weaponry. But they're uh, like ATM machines. So you can get yeah. money and bank it. And then you can come back and access it if you want to later on if you need to buy something. And I also find uh, it's much more effective to just punch a guy to death. Really? So I've, most, I've gotten at least two kills in every match I've played. And, uh, but usually that is from sneaking up on somebody and just punching them until they die. Because they can't bring the gun around to, to shoot me in time, basically. Yeah, I mean, the best And, a, and one was... time, the guy clearly, like, should have shot me, but the gun barrel was, like, through my character model and didn't count as shooting me. <laughs> so, um, it was, uh, it's, 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 a, it's the Wild West out there. Uh, I'm also a little shocked that you can't drive any of the cars. Yeah. Um... It's it's just a little weird. and like yeah I, I mess around with the BMX bikes a lot in the in the the pregame yeah. section. Yeah, the pregame lobby is the best of any yeah. of the games. But like the the uh, like you can do like like a half pipe thing and stuff like that. But like the the physics are just out in crazy town. Like and like there's a I especially recommend um like near the the spinning wheel thing. There's like the ramp kind of yeah. near it. Like if you go up that on a, B, a BMX bike. It will automatically like super boost you to do the jump off of it, whether you're going oh, really? fast enough to do it or not. <laughs> and that just you just use people launching back and forth. Also, if, if, at least in my game, I can't zipline in that lobby. It, the the zipline prompt comes up, but it doesn't work. I mean, it is, in my opinion, the best battle royale lobby yet. But oh, that's yeah. not saying much. Well, whatever I mean, that the gets lobbies, you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what does that get you? Not a lot. 
Um, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm shocked that Cliff would put a game out in this state. And I hear you. You know, he's trying to say, oh, we want to build it with the community. But there still has to be a baseline level of quality and polish before mm-hmm. you send it out to the public. Like the, like o- the only other games I've played that I could compare to this level of not doneness. I literally, under contract, can't talk about on this show. Yeah. Like, it's stuff I've played under NDA, yeah. basically. And um, you're right. It's uh, it's a little shocking that, uh, Cliff. That, that they're throwing this out there. But I mean, like, Cliff has also been generally a developer who innovates, who comes up with right. new concepts, or at the very least, takes a concept that's out there and perfects it. Um, and maybe that's what he's trying to do with this, but based upon my early experiences with it, I mean, the one thing I, mean, I would no, say that I like, I, I, the gunplay is pretty good. Yeah. Like, you said you shot three with, you know, clipping. You should have been shot. You didn't, but... That's a factor of how early it is, not yeah. a factor of design. But the guns feel good. Yeah. They sound good. The the hit detection seems pretty accurate so far. Uh, that is one part of it that, that I like. I feel like the shooting feels better mm-hmm. in this than like, the I other see, I see a lot of potential in this game, like the BMX stuff and kind of jumping over. Th- like, like, I feel like once this gets all kind of you know, fully baked and polished, like, there's going to be some cool stuff you can do. There's, it's going to be like a Sunset Overdrive version of Battle Royale, which I like. And I kind of also, I see also that, like, yeah, this is a little early to put this game out, but at the same time, this space is about to get real crowded, and it's better, I, you know, I think he's thinking, and I kind of agree with him, that it's probably better to get out there ahead of time and have people know you in this smaller field of competitors before this fall when, like, this, this I think, finally, this little subgenre is going to blow up uh, with everybody trying to get in on well, the Well, yeah, action. there's rumors all over the place about pretty much every major, major shooting franchise yeah. working on a Battle Royale for their game. And what happens when Call of Duty has a great Battle Royale mode? Does anyone care about the other Battle Royale modes? I don't know. Well, there's plenty of people that don't like Call of Duty to the point that they would refuse to play that mode and play anything else instead. So you've got that advantage, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I, but like, there are millions and millions of people who right. do but love there, Call of Duty. But that's the big question is like, you know, how wide is this pool? You know, how, how much, deep maybe right, is the better question. How much room is there for people to to stand? And uh, I think we're going to learn that by the end, by the end of this year, beginning by, at least by the end of the fiscal year next March, we're going to know who made it and who didn't. And I think uh, I don't think Bosky is wrong in thinking that their best shot at being in the made it category is to get this out there early and get the people knowing it early. And and it certainly tries to make an impression when you first start it up. It's like, you're not going to forget Radical Heights, although sometimes I forget the name. I do forget the name, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Like, right before we started the segment, I'm like, wait a minute, what's the name of that game again? And then it popped up on the screen. (laughs) Because I keep thinking Radical Dreamers, which is the Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross interquel that never made it to America. Yeah. Um, Also with a very bright and and colorful... uh, Art aesthetic of a very different game, um, so I, I I I will probably end up referring to this as Cliff's Battle Royale game yeah. a lot. <laughs> and in fact, I would almost say that's a pretty good title. Yeah, Cliff, right. Cliffy's Battle Royale game is a pretty good title. Yeah. Um, but I like the the aesthetic they they're going for. I like the game show kind of Smash TV style. If they really want to like d- like double and triple down on that, like there could be something there. Um, I like that when you run around and pick up the prizes, you get money for them, and you keep it at the end. You feel like even though, you, even if you bomb out in a match, you feel like you progress. You earn a something, bit. yeah. Um, it's it's 
there are good ideas in here. It's just it's just real rough, but it's free, so you know, like the I, interiors I, of the buildings are like yeah. N, N, N64 <laughs> level. I was detail. I kept I kept thinking of you know what I kept thinking about in the buildings was uh, Hybrid Heaven. Oh yeah, you remember that game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, love that game. I kept thinking about Hybrid Heaven and Winback. Yeah, that's what I kept th- and like old Koei N64 yeah. games. But like, hey, I like those <laughs> games. It wasn't it wasn't a bad reminder. I yeah. mean, it's probably not a flattering one either. But like, it was like, hey, I remember those games. 20 years ago yeah or more in this thing i'm playing in 2018 now for yeah i mean the game is so rough man just in so many ways um it it feels like this game has only been in development for like three months you might be right i mean it's also obviously if they're using no disrespect to rohan i love the guy but when you're using like your employees as like the lead voiceover people in your game that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. Yeah, but but there's also like there's some homespun charm in that that like might go some distance with kind of the Twitch you know YouTube generation. I think like, I just don't think they they'll even know that it's maybe. Rohan because they don't know who Rohan well, is. Well, no, but like the there's what I mean is like like it doesn't necessarily have to be that you know who Rohan is, but like just the idea of kind of the amateur like kind of intentionally amateur element of it yeah. might have some appeal. Um, I mean, look, PUBG isn't exactly the the no. most polished AAA experience Absolutely of all time not. either. Yeah. Like, there's definitely you know the, the people that are inter- into the kind of the, the streaming Twitch stuff. There's definitely kind of a a, 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 a deep mistrust of the AAA space. But I don't as they think that say. intentionally making your game janky is a smart strategy a, for success. I don't think it's intentionally janky. I think this is just how it is right now, and you know it'll get better. Um, Do you think it was a good idea to put it out in this state? Uh, to be honest, I don't think it matters. Really? Not really. You don't think that some people are going to play this and just be like, I'll never play that piece of shit again? No, I think they'll play it and be like, well, I'll come back. If they don't like it, they'll play it. They'll be like, I'll come back to it when uh, it's a little more baked. I mean, look, I played um, both look, PUBG, if, if PUBG and Fortnite in early access, and both of those games were far more polished than this I don't. Game. I don't know if PUBG was when it started. Like, I, I was there. I mean, I got it the first week. I mean, there wasn't I'll, as much functionality because you couldn't jump over I'll, stuff right. or, or can't Exactly. Or, and I'll be, yeah. I'll be honest, like from what I've played a little bit, I, I don't own PUBG, but I played it on Xbox One a little bit at a friend's house and um, uh, over Christmas, and uh, it, it doesn't feel much better than this game. I've like, only played the PC version. I haven't played it's, the uh, I mean, it, obviously, uh, Xbox stuff aside, like it's, you know, the jank is part of the experience. <laughs> Uh, in a well, re- in a, a very real excuse, way, yeah. <laughs> um, if hey that excuse works for PUBG, I mean I, yeah. I I don't get the impression PUBG is is gonna stop there. But PUBG, see, the is, PUBG, PUBG is clearly trying to move forward. But see, with PUBG it. was successful despite those flaws because it was the only game in town. It was mm. the only game that where you could explore this genre and play this genre. And look at what happened as soon as a first competent competitor showed up. No, I don't agree with that. Annihilated. No, I don't agree with that at all. As soon as a free alternative showed up. Fortnite is a far better game. I agree, but it's free. The point the, the most important part of the equation is that Fortnite is free, and so is this. Yeah. And if you want to play something that's less Fortnitey and more PUBG and you don't want to pay to pay for it, this is it. Well, this looks like Fortnite and it plays like PUBG. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if like that kind of split personality is going to make it a success. No, but somebody was going to try it. Yeah, I mean, might, might as well be them. We're going to see a ton of stuff like this coming up in the next yeah. twelve months, guaranteed. Yeah. Um, look, I 
would really love to see this game do well. Obviously, I have a friend who works there, and I want to see him succeed, and I want to see the studio that he works for succeed. I think it has a and lot I of like potential. I like Cliff. I would like to see Cliff succeed. He got beat up pretty good with Lawbreakers, and mm -hmm. undeservedly so, in my opinion. So um, I would like to see it succeed. I just I do not agree at all that it was a good idea to put this out the way it is. I think a lot of people give games, particularly free-to-play games, a one-and-done chance because there's so many of them. And, like, people... They're not going to make a mental note and be like, I'll come back and check this later. See, like, I, don't, I don't think that's necessary. I mean, maybe not in mass quantities, but look, every time No Man's Sky puts up one of their big updates, hundreds of thousands of people come back and play it yeah, on Steam. Yeah, but millions of people bought the game. Yeah, but not on Steam. Uh, so, like, but you, you know, the, the rule of thumb is you triple whatever you're seeing on Steam to, to match a console. Right. Um, but, like, yeah, not everyone who played that game is going to come back, but enough of them come back that, like, you know, the, the, the chatter starts up again. And I think if you if the most important thing they can do, and I guess this is partly Rohan's job, is when big changes and improvements are made to uh, Radical Heights, you got to make sure everybody knows about it. Yeah. You got to make sure that, oh, we did a big new thing. Go check it out. It's tough for them because they did not build a huge audience with lawbreakers on social media and no. stuff like that. And they're um, if they're going to have to use this game to build that audience, that might be a challenge. That's true, but that's what any studio faces, really. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with striking out on your own. You don't have any kind of built-in. I mean, other than and... having Cliff. Right. But I like, mean, you would think that that would have just given them cachet just right out of the gate. I think it did in the industry, but I think uh, the, the, the core demographic to some degree doesn't like him very much. Uh, well, I think the other part, too, is that a lot of these kids don't even know who the hell he is. True. I mean, think about it. Like, he's a... A fixture to us like he's been in the industry for a long time and we knew him from his like epic days and then gears of war and i mean a lot of kids are like gears of war that game was kind of over with by the mm. time i really got into gaming and unreal tournament was more something that was happening when they were like seven yeah um but like you know the other thing is like you know you, i see a lot of people bagging on him for like oh he seems like a jerk or he seems like you know it's like because he comes he comes off as sure of himself and confident he does and that but if you know him in person he's no not he's not that, like that he's at not all. that kind of a guy at all no yeah. but like he, he's one of the nicest guys in the industry and he'll talk about anything anything yeah. Like, yeah. It, like he'll talk to you about any kind of game stuff he knows something about everything he's he's a really interesting dude but like People, you know, the, the, I see a lot of people willing, willing to snap judge him as, you know, on on you know, his media appearances as like, well, he just seems like an arrogant jerk. Yeah. Um, which does sometimes just seem to be how a confident person comes off if you oh, don't right. if you don't know enough about. Particularly them, if you're only dealing with them online. Yeah. It's very easy to get the wrong impression of someone online. Yeah. Well, um, also like it's just a different. Yeah, yeah. There's there's sort of a different public persona you need to have, I guess, these days versus like kind of your business like because like when he says in those early lawbreakers interviews like hey guys let's make a billion another billion dollar franchise right like if you're in a in a meeting with him if you're t gonna work with him that sounds like awesome confidence oh, yeah. and like we're gonna really kick some but like a lot i notice a lot of like gamers a lot of audience people see that and say oh look at this jerk who thinks he can instantly he make a billion money. dollar money yeah. but you know you can make a billion dollar franchise by snapping his fingers like uh, like people don't read that the same way as you would you know because you, you want that confidence you want that optimism yeah, from someone you're, signing you're working sure. with or you're funding them yeah. but like you gotta it's just it's a and like that used to be something you would want like from you know public persona facing from like a, a creative outlet as well but it's just things have changed things no, you right. know think the, the the what people want from their public faces in this industry has changed over it the has, last 10 absolutely. years or 15 years no you're absolutely right um another interesting thing of note it's going to be self-published nexon is not picking up the publishing rights for i think it. that's wise 
I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Nexon, after what happened with Lawbreakers, would be. No, but I th- I think keeping it keeping it in house and on the and you know on under their control and and. Well, if it blows up too, they make all the money. So. Right. <laughs> right. And at least, and also like this way, it's like, well, it's all in their court. Whatever they do is their own decision. If it doesn't work, they know that it was all on them. They did the best they could, kind of thing. You know. Yeah. I feel like that's a good move. Um, well, it made sense to go. I don't go think they had a choice. Honestly. No, probably, but they, but it made sense to go with like a Nexon for Lawbreakers. Yeah. Um, I but think, Nexon, I don't think helped them because it Nexon did not market or advertise the game. It didn't. But so you I'm c- sure they look at it and they're like, wait a minute, we signed this deal with this publisher that was supposed to help us, and it did nothing. And what? So what's the point? Right. I mean, but you can't predict that. You know, when you're signing that deal, like you think it's going to work out. Well, I'm sure Nexon said, look, we'll give you X dollars for marketing and advertising. And Cliff should know very well how far that's going to go. But maybe it's how Nexon spent the money. Maybe it's running like like display ads on websites or whatever that people just don't even look at or that's yeah, filtered don't, out by I honestly don't know what any of that was. I mean, the reason I knew. I never saw any ads for The reason I knew about Lawbreakers is because I know Cliff. Right. Yeah. And, and again, he doesn't have the cachet with the young kids that he does with people like us. So, mm-hmm. I yeah. still, I mean, my, I, I get like we were saying about the. I don't think the early access element of this really matters that much, especially because it's clearly labeled and they're not charging you any money for it. Um, I well, there's other controversy about pay to win with the founders pack and all that. Right, they, they already they, had to backpedal on. They some took of that the stuff. money out of that <laughs> founders pack. I think I saw or something like that. Yeah. Whatever. It's like look. Even if you get a nice gun, you still got to aim it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't feel like... I, it certainly doesn't help me much. Yeah. <laughs> I get the AK-47 all the time. It doesn't save my ass. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. But I, my, my, my biggest question is remains the name. Like, yeah. I think Radical Heights... Radical Heights, to me, sounds almost like... First, it sounds like some kind of, like, Blink-182 Blink ripoff band... Or Which like Cliff may very well be a fan. Maybe, of. <laughs> uh, or or it sounds like some kind of like Melrose Place style soap opera. Like yeah. Radical Heights would be something I. One thing I think Cliff is guilty of in general is looking at kind of what he thinks the hot stuff is at the time, <laughs> and kind of reading the room wrong. Like yeah, well, I, I feel like he's well, join like, the fucking club. Really, I, I think we're, a lot we're all of, we're all old now. I think we a lot of people hot. do that, but I think maybe he looked at like, hey. Look at all these 80s things like Stranger Things and how big they are. And even the kids like Stranger Things. And I don't know if that's the right way to go about your business in 2018. I I, I felt like this was more 90s. I mean, Um, they're calling it 80s. I mean, is it? Yeah. I I just got kind of an early, early, like, to me, this, like, a lot of the aesthetic style here is directly out of a 1991 issue of Tiger Beat. Yeah. Um, I mean, or that's like, what Bosky is saying. It's an 80s I mean, I, I mean, I can go, I can bring royalty. in uh, uh, copies of Video Game Magazine, which was, which was what replaced Video Games and Computer Entertainment, the best video game magazine ever made. It got taken over, uh, and Larry Flint Publishing changed the, the, made it all radical. And for a while, it was doing all these crazy, like, neon color patterns in the background of the pages so you couldn't read the damn text. All that. I, can bet, I bet I can find you every single background pattern in this game in <laughs> early issues of Video Game yeah. Magazine. No, I hear what you're saying. From but, 1993 but or so. But Boss is calling this an 80s-themed Battle Royale game. Well, yeah, because it's not cool to say something's 90s yet. <laughs> yet. Give it another five. But, like, look, that, that kind of, like, the, the wild style sort of, like, bright colored jams, sort of, like, surfer board shorts thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's 80s. 
but the 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 weird kind of crazy geometric shape pattern that is early '90s. That yeah. is that is early '90s like uh, Nickelodeon shit. Yeah. Um, which I don't have a problem. I mean, to be clear, I don't have a problem with that. I, I have nostalgia for that too. I was a teenager when that that stuff was popular. I had pants that looked like that. I had a pants that were. All that kind of crazy color with geckos all over. Did them. you have I mean, Zubaz pants? Yeah, who didn't have Zubas, man? What are they called? Zub- Zubas or Zubaz? Like, I don't know. We called them those Zubas. crazy like. Uh, we called them Zubas. Tiger stripe. Yeah, we didn't have an internet to look up stuff right. on how we pronounce things. We didn't. That's that's yeah. why everybody's got different pronunciations of all the Mario enemies. No, you're you right. Know? You're absolutely right. Or or Guile, who for a while in my arcade was called Guile. <laughs> So, Matt, are you going to go back and play this more? Yeah, I probably will. I mean, part of that is because I don't play Battle Royale games much. Right. Um, and kind of the this the concept of this appeals to me more than Fortnite's version of this because Fortnite has all the building and extraneous right. stuff, and this is a little more straightforward, and I don't want to spend 30 bucks for PUBG. Yeah. So, yeah, I probably will periodically come back to this. I I will wait a while before I go back to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if you're I not do wrong. it all. Yeah. Like, Five six months from now, mm. I'll go back and check it out probably. But but I'm not sorry I tried it. Yeah, I mean for me right now, Fortnite is my favorite uh, battle royale game. I've played them all. I've played Fortnite and PUBG a ton. This one I played four it's hours. It's definitely the only like one that I would play and think this is a finished game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it is. Yeah. yeah. And I and like while you say you don't like the building elements, I don't use them that much. Although when you see really good players play, yeah, the really good players use it like in a in just in ingenious ways, ways. Yeah. like literally. Um, but what I like about Fortnite is you don't have to use it if you don't want to. And I don't. Like, I just play it without using the building. I mean, I do every once in a while. I'll build it to get up to the top of the building if I think there's a, like, a weapons cache up there or something like that. But, I mean, so the way some people play, it is, like, mind-boggling oh, yeah. what they do. It's really impressive. I've seen, like, the videos where, like, three people team up and build, like, a giant fort in the middle of the map. And they're just like, come get us. In, like, like yeah. 20 seconds. Yeah. Like, how quick they build the stuff blows. It's like they're fighting somebody... Throwing up walls mm-hmm. while they're fighting, like I am not. Like at I that need level. Some, I need a window to shoot through. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. crazy, like, and I like that the game gives people the opportunity to do that. At least there's that depth there yeah, if you feel like that's just not for it. me because, like, look, I I can barely aim the shotgun. You know, like, yeah. I I can't put that in my head too <laughs> while I'm trying to play this thing. Touche. Uh, but look, I do wish uh, Cliff and Rohan and all the folks at Boss Key uh, best of luck with the game. I I don't agree with you. I think it was a bad decision. To put this game up in this state in early access. I just think it's going to turn too many people off. Or at the very least just create an overly negative opinion in general online. And kind of poison the well. Well as we will see later in the episode. Uh, my opinion on that may be colored by the other thing I played this week. Okay. So Alright fair enough. Alright let's move on. We're going to talk <laughs> next about probably the biggest story in society right now. Other than mm. political whatever. Um, and that is privacy online. Mm-hmm. Um, it has become a hot button topic yep. everywhere. Just y- today, y- the U.S. Congress has been grilling a robot for two days yeah. about it. <laughs> it's insane, though. So it's amazing. I mean, man, like it, I watched a lot of the congressional hearings with Zuckerberg, and it's like, con- like Zuckerbot engage smile protocol kind of. It's it's fascinating. But the people there, his team is going to interface with them later. It's okay. Yeah, his, his team is going to get back to them. I mean, what I didn't watch much of that stuff, but what struck me the most is how digitally illiterate our congress is yeah the they, senate was worse the house, they, the house was better i mean but. there are like two or three people in both that actually know anything right most of those people in there who are making the laws that govern us and look 
our our life, our world is becoming a digital world. And to see that these are the people who are making the decisions for the world that we're living in right now is downright scary. They know nothing. Some of the questions that they asked him, like my mind almost imploded. My favorite was, um, God, who was it? Gorsuch who asked it. Asked him like how you you stay in business. How you stay in business with, with a, a site that no one pays for? And he was like, "We run we, ads, sir, Senator. sir." <laughs> Wow. It's like, there's moments yesterday where you're like, oh, what? And like, and like the one, one question was like, one of the Senate people was like, so one of the senators was like, what, how many different types of data do you collect? And he's like, he, in the most polite way possible, Zuckerberg was like, I have no idea what you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. That, it's not... That's not a way of phrasing anything. Like, so in the last week, week and a half, since all this Facebook stuff happened, every time I open Facebook, that I, the first thing I get is this like privacy statement saying mm -hmm. this is how you control your data. This is what we have of your data. This is what we do with your data. This is how you turn it off and blah, blah, blah. Just every day. Every time I open mm -hmm. it up, that's a splash that I get. Today, it like when I got up, there were three emails from Google in my inbox about Sifted um, talking about their privacy issues for like Google Analytics and mm -hmm. how that's going to change and what we will and what we'll be able to get from the data that we get from Google Analytics. Um, and then this kind of is is a story that's related to games. And essentially Valve is changing the privacy settings on Steam so that third-party apps and sites like Steam Spy can no longer scrape that data from mm. the website. Like by default, it's just all going to be private. Yep. And so Steam Spy is going away. Yep. Um, well, because like, I will guess... It cease I, to you, exist. It has no, no right, relevance nothing, You can't do anything with it. Because right. like, I mean, I guess I, from what I understand, you will be able to set it to be public if you want, but you can't expect people to do that to the point that steam spy would remain useful right so that's it um although it is interesting to note that like this is also kind of a, for a continuing trend of game developers and publishers not really wanting you to know how much things sell yeah do you think and that's that's one of the questions i wanted to ask is do you think that the developers are happy about this. I would think so. Because there was a, a at the very least, at least even if even if they don't care how much, if you know how much things sell, at least you no longer have people taking this sort of basically, who knows how accurate, who knows how representative the data from it is, and using that to extrapolate out like, oh well, that's how much this game sold, and like that can be have negative negative you know negative looks uh, as a result. People like saying like, oh well. Because everyone's got their kind of rule of thumb things, but oh, it had this much, so like on Steam, so it sold this much on PlayStation, so it sold that, and like you, there's no, re everyone's just sort of guesstimating. It's no, it's no more reliable than like you know VG charts or whatever that <laughs> site was. There was a feature I think Eurogamer wrote it today where they talked to a lot of developers, and most of the developers were not happy about this. Yeah. That Steam Spy would not be able to get the data because well, some of the smaller ones I saw were like, this is the only tool we have. Right. Because a lot of developers use that data, even though it's only roughly accurate. A lot of developers use that data to make decisions on their mm. own games. They'll look at the landscape and see, say, this genre is selling, this genre is not selling, this setting mm. is working right now, this setting isn't working right now, um, this type of play mechanic is selling, and they so you wonder because if, Valve won't give up the data. Right. So like, it's the it, only guidepost that developers have to use, particularly indie developers. It's the only data that they have to use to try to help shape their products. And it's fascinating that Valve won't share that because you know they can see it. Oh, of course. They'd have everything. And that brings up the question, I guess, which is the crux of this topic for today's show is, are we going too far? Do we need 
this type of stuff? Or do we need to better educate consumers? Because here's what struck me the most about Zuckerberg's meeting with Congress in general was 90% of the questions that, that he was asked, he replied with, there's already that functionality, sir. Mm -hmm. There's already that functionality, Senator, over and over it's again. It's just buried four menus deep and we don't tell anyone about it. That, That's the problem. The communication was the problem, right? Because look, like I looked, you know, you have the thing that says like, you know, you can put the thing through to see if your data was compromised by uh, uh, whatever it was, cybernetic analytica or right. whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and I did, was not, you said you, none, neither you nor any of your friends ever logged into that one, your life, whatever that was. None of it. So good work. All my face, you know, all several hundred of my Facebook friends, not idiots. Well done. <laughs> it's a little and, bit like Darwinism, to be honest with you, because. And I looked up like my Google, you know, Google has a thing. So you can see all the, the records we have on you. So the Google record on my account is just saw an ad when you looked at his email. Saw it every day. Saw an ad when you looked at your email. That's it. Like all my other stuff is locked down because I made sure to do that because I'm paranoid about this shit. I mean, it's a little bit like Darwinism because generally the. The things you had to interact with on Facebook that would get that, that data from you was generally the lowest brow content. It was the turn your face into a frog. <laughs> Which member of the Wizard of Oz are you? And look, I see all my older Linda, relatives doing that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. like, oh my gosh, look at me. I have like rabbit ears. I'm like, why are you doing And that is the stuff that was getting people. Mm. And, and also... Generally, those are also the people who have no clue that there are even privacy settings on Facebook. And so I'm wondering if, if it's one of those cases where we're saying, let's nerf the world so that these people who refuse to educate themselves or can't educate themselves on a particular topic are protected at the expense of other people who are educated. Because you're seeing, to the detriment of developers right now, they mm. liked having that data. They don't have it now because there were people out there. And I don't even think it has anything to do with Steam Spy. I don't think the thing I got from Google today has anything to do with Google. It's all about Facebook getting its balls busted mm. on national TV in front of Congress. And all these other companies are like, I don't want to do yeah. that. There's a lock it down mentality. It, right. And so they're just like, well, look, you know what? We're going to just completely flip the script here. We're going to get out in front of this. We're going to be proactive. And we're going to make sure that we don't end up in that, that seat that Zuckerberg is sitting in right now. I don't really have a problem with kind of defaulting to, you know, everything's private unless you decide to make it otherwise. Yeah, me like, either. I don't, I don't think that's an issue. And that's what Steam's doing. It's... Uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm more in favor of that than, like, actual government regulation of things, uh, except in, like, the most vague, you know, like if you want to make a law that says you have to, like, present your, your privacy settings in a more transparent, obvious way, because it's easier to find, like, your frickin', you know, your, your how to turn your auto motion plus stuff off on your TV than it is to find some of the privacy settings in Facebook, or it was no, until right. recently. It was buried. Because they, yeah. you... they don't want you to do that. And, I mean, I, look, I did it. Like, literally, yeah. the first day I got on Facebook, I took the time to dig through all that crap. And it was sure. very unintuitive. Everything was Nothing buried. quite makes sense. No, it's like the, the verbiage that they use doesn't make any sense. Well, at it's all. like it, I looked. What was the thing where like you could people were like 
requesting their Facebook data thing, and like they were seeing, like there were a record of every single text data, not the actual text, but there was a record of the time and when they texted everyone on their contact. And I looked up I mean, mine, and it's not, it's nothing. Yeah. And the reason is because I had the, you know, the the update with update your contact setting to the cloud at all times, whatever thing turned yeah. off. Not because I knew it would do that, but because I'm like, that doesn't sound like something I want. Yeah, why to be would happening? I, but but, the, but it's on by default, right? You know, so and I remember when I set up my Facebook, I would stare at some of those options for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, what does this even mean? Because it would have this crazy convoluted, overly wordly description of overwordly mm. description of it. And I'd sit there trying to parse the information to figure out what exactly it does. And I ended up like Googling it to see right. what it actually ended up doing. And so you're absolutely right. Like My the, rule on that tended to be, if you can't tell me in one sentence what this option does, I turn it off. I don't want it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think there is a danger. And I think maybe like our parents are kind of the last generation that I want to call them like digital illiterate. But... They get what well, they look, need. Look, it's their generation that was sitting up on those things asking the questions yesterday and right. the day before. So, the, look, the the people in Congress are too old to be. You know, and and you see it in the in the questioning scenario because they don't have their young twenty something aides writing up their memos for right. them and making yeah. them not look illiterate. You know, when they put a statement out, they got all the things in the order because they had someone, some intern in their twenties, write that who write that on. Facebook probably, right, right. you yeah. know. So like, but when you just get these people up there who are stuck there and you know have been senators in the same dis- same district, or sa- senator same state or a house representative of the same district for thirty years because there's no limits on that. Right. Like, like they have no incentive to stay up to date on these things. They, yeah. Most of them probably don't even use it. So what do they care? But what I feel like is, how many of those those uh, senators do you think called their grandchildren? To oh, ask questions about this before they did this. Well, it's like when I worked at Viacom and I get these calls from executives in New York, they'd be like, how do you use Twitter? Right. What's the big well, deal with like, Twitter, Shane? Well, it's like part of my, <laughs> part of my issue, and like, believe me, and we all know I had, I had plenty of issues with the election last year, but part of my problem was we were going from Obama, who was a, a younger, more vibrant character, to a whole fleet of baby boomers again. Yeah. And it's like... They don't really get... Modern society. No, like yeah. whatever you know. And my thoughts on the character of, of Trump or whoever. It's like, they're all too old. They're yeah. all too old to run this the country in this in this new world. Like in they don't era. understand anything. That was kind stuff. of what I was getting at. Is why are we changing things so drastically to serve a small mm-hmm. part of our population? Who that's not a small part though. Well, the the boomers are a giant percentage. They're like because the, that's why them they're and the millennials. The, well, that's and why they're called the baby them. boomers. And we're caught between them because they're, that was during the war, and right. everyone's just having kids all willy nilly. But do we nerf society, change society for a generation that is going to be the next one that isn't here any longer? Yeah, sure. And then we can change it when they're gone. Change it back. Eventually, look, man. Like to me, in terms of like kind of you know legislation, in terms of this sort of like tech level stuff, if you're a few years older than us, you shouldn't be doing it. No, you're right. To me, like, I mean, we were the first generation really that is a part of that world. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that I am. Like, I'm I w- glad I got to see the world before it. No, I'd agree. And yeah. see it rise. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it but would. But we're be the like first to- generation to get it. Right. Thank God, because you would be lost. And in I would this argue world. that we don't even get it quite that much compared no. to everyone. Compared to like someone yeah. like Zuckerberg, even. Right. Yeah. Um, but can you? I mean, what a what a time this, to be alive. What a, well, also like <laughs> like watching it was like that guy made this thing basically to have an easy way to rank how hot a bunch of classmates were. 
Yeah. And now he's in front of the Congress answering questions about privacy concerns that might lead to new... It's like, life comes at you fast, I guess. <laughs> sure, you know, yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Valve could solve a lot of these problems if it just reached out to developers mm-hmm. and said, hey, like, we'll give you the data. Yeah, privately. It would, be, it would be nice if they would do. It would be nice if Valve would stop acting like a dick for a while to, right. to someone. Or Valve know? could just give it out. Period. It's not like their business. MPD doesn't give out numbers because that's its business. Right. It, that's how it generates revenue. That's how it survives by selling those numbers. Right. And it's I not still, how Valve. And does. I do have to admit, I am shocked that NPD data still doesn't get out there. I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing. It's like NPD, that's the only source of that kind of data. They have kind of a monopoly on that. And if you get blackballed by the NPD, I'd imagine that really affects your analysis firm. Well, back when we uh, were doing Invisible Walls, Pac was sending us NPD data. He would send Mm -hmm. it to me every month. And that NPD stuff, and I wish I kept some of those files. I wish when I left Viacom, I had downloaded that to a zip drive because that NPD data isn't just what sold last month. Every the monthly MPD report, if you print it out, is like that thick. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back. What's well, fascinating to like, if you look into the history of what the NPD is and what they used to do I and know. how they used to, because the, the way they started that came oh, that starts in like the fifties or something, yeah, or yeah. even maybe even earlier, and like they would collate all the register receipts yeah. from every retail location yeah. in like. Like literally, like that. Pax talked about that yeah, before. That's what yeah. I mean. That's what NPD stands for. NPD stands for National Purchase Diaries. Yeah, I know. And like, <laughs> that's crazy that someone used to have to do that. Now yeah. it's just like spreadsheet total done. Like, but I wish I had that data. It's amazing. Still. I wish I could look back and see like what were the top fifty it, GameCube games right. or whatever. Well, also the, the fascinating thing about the NPD and that you know is also like you're still kind of seeing an analog organization trying to survive. In a new world you're right. where you shouldn't need that kind of organization to collate that information. No, you're right. And maybe someday you won't. I would think not. It's it's like the Nielsen ratings thing. It's like, do you need that anymore? No. You cable companies can read everything we're watching at any time, but they don't because people freak out that they're gonna see uh, you can't watch me watching Survivor again. You know, again, like, it's a privacy issue. Yeah, it's a yeah. privacy issue. So pri- you have got that balance between privacy and information and what information I mean to me. What I'm watching on TV is not important to me. Like, yeah. if someone wants to know what that is, I'll freaking tell you. I watched a lot of Cupcake Wars the other day. Well, Fine. generally, like, the judge only people me. who Go don't... Ahead. Right. Like, well, generally, I mean, with anything, the people who don't want that information out there are the people who are embarrassed if their information got out. Like, right. I don't really care if people, people see what I'm surfing the internet for because I don't mm-hmm. surf the internet for anything that people would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe what Shane's looking at. Like, I just don't. So... I don't care that Very much. Very standard porn. Yeah, yeah. In, in, your, in your Google history. <laughs> I, see, I see how it is. Exactly. Uh, but what I was getting at with Valve is that Valve is not trying to monetize that data. It just has it. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, why not create some kind of a program on Steam where once you release a game, you're in the club. Yeah. You and you can, can get that you data. You can even charge them all like five bucks a month yeah, for it whatever. or something. It's like, worth imagine it. Imagine how much money that would be. I know. <laughs> <laughs> What a huge revenue stream Think for, about for revenue Valve, they would generate. For nothing. For nothing. For nothing. Just giving the report that they have sitting on their you servers. You just give give some intern access to whatever and be like, send it to all these people Here's 40 every grand day. a year. Meanwhile, yeah. we'll generate like 200 million a month from the work that you mm-hmm. do. <laughs> but I don't, but look, I don't see Valve doing something like that. But I could see Valve like trying to figure out a middle ground here. Because Valve, I still consider Valve to be pretty consumer friendly. Do you? 
consumer friendly. I don't know how friendly they are for like these developers. Like, yeah. I, I think if you're a, if a smaller developer, I've I've heard enough stories about how difficult it can be. Yeah. That maybe that's not a tremendously accurate description if you're coming at them from that angle. Yeah. Um, and it depends. I mean, certainly Jim Sterling would disagree with you that they're yeah. consumer friendly. But part of that is like if you don't. That's his shtick, though. Right. But also, like, if you, what's he going to do if, if Steam is ever awesome? Yeah, right. It's like, what if they did get rid of all that? Like, that's half Would the fucking videos he makes. <laughs> it just like. And it'd be like, my work here is done. done. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll all give now, him five bucks a month or whatever. Now I'm just going to yell about loot boxes <laughs> full time, finally. Which is kind of what he's doing already. Um, but yeah, I, to me, there's a very simple solution for a Valve. It's like the data is just sitting there. You're doing nothing with it. You don't need to make money off of it. Just give it to the developers. Once maybe yeah. a developer releases one game on Steam, they're in the club. Give it to them to help them make smart decisions. Because ultimately, that works for Valve too. Because if you have better games on your service, you're going to sell more games and you're going to make more money. So it's, Valve should be incentivized to help developers as much and as it, possible. And it does seem like Microsoft and Sony do... Uh, provide some kind of information on that of that n- nature to developers because you hear them talking about how we can see everything that's going on yeah. that you do on Xbox Live and all that kind Val's of thing. data is a little more valuable though because it has like the early access program and the green light program or it did uh, but it has all these programs for early games Microsoft has done a little bit with Xbox on that mm-hmm. front but certainly Steam is far more robust in that regard. Well, also, like Steam, you're more likely to have like development teams that have like four people right. on them. You know, Absolutely. Like much, much more grassroots level And stuff. also, when you're talking about teams like that, it's like you, as much data as you can get yeah. to make decisions, like you're taking a huge risk, man. Huge risk, you you're working mostly blind. And you're putting in 100K, that's like in a lot of cases like your life savings that you're mm-hmm. putting into making that game. And I think Valve, because these companies are the ones putting the money in Valve's coffers, I feel like they should be incentivized just in that way to help them out as much as possible. So hopefully there, there's some kind of a middle ground here. It does suck that Steam Spy is going away. I mean, you'd think a company that basically came from what Half-Life is. Yeah. Which was literally a mod. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So Would, would sympathize a little more. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it does suck to see Steam, by, Steam Spy go away. Uh, I did use that data from time to time yeah. whenever I was working on coverage and things like that. And now we just have nothing. So I can't. we literally now have no idea how any PC game is selling. Yeah. Because unless MPD... someone decides to tell us. Right. Basically. Yeah. But that's sort of how it is anyway, really. Well, Steam Spy was roughly accurate. Like you, you could tell if a yeah, game. Yeah, but was I mean, like, be I mean, like consoles. Like you, we don't know how much any console game sold really unless someone dang, tells us. Yeah. Either breaks their NPD NDA or like some publisher decides to announce like hey we sold this many because we're awesome yeah which means you only hear about the successful ones no you're right you're absolutely right you never hear about the bombas yeah, yeah. Like you never hear about it's like hey uh trying to think of an example of a it's like oh well near automata did did well it so did, like, it's yeah. like you do you do hear about that kind of thing but it's like we didn't hear about how much uh well, you were talking about Insomniac's Xbox game earlier. All oh, right, yeah. We didn't know that Fused. that game wasn't doing very well. Not, no, not Fuse, the one after oh, that. Oh, um, Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. yeah, like we didn't know how that game was doing, but ultimately yeah. we kind of figured it out. And even then, their evasive answer, like, oh, what about more Sunset Overdrive? Like, we'd love to make more Sunset Overdrive. Somebody call us. Yeah, it's if we had a like, publisher. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't doing that with our own money. Are you crazy? Right. Because like, yeah. the publishers do have that data, and yeah. they can see that it did not sell very well. Mm-hmm. So... Had to be better than Fuse, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're walking in this really murky area right now with privacy yeah. and data and everything. And well, at the same time, you could argue that like the sales numbers for these things aren't our business. Yeah, 
But why do we, why do we need to know that? Yeah, I, look, I was consumers. My know? my argument wasn't that we should know; it was that the developers should know. Right. So that's where I come down on, like, you know, in terms of like, oh, Steam's. I would like way, to like, know. Oh, sure, I'd love to know. But like, if I don't know, like, you know, who, what the consequences is like whatever. Like, who cares? I don't. I don't know sales numbers. No, man, it things. makes Game Face better if we have yeah. that data. It does, though. It well, would yeah. make the show great. But what I'm saying is, I guess, just to like, someone who plays games, does it affect my life one way or the other? No. Uh, but if like developing, like I would like if Steam is going to do that, I would like to see them do something to help developers kind of replace that that information chain. I've often often questioned if it would be worth if you're a big obviously Sifted could never do this, but if you were a big site, if it would be worth paying for MPD's numbers to use that data in your content because it would give you a huge advantage over. Or, any are other you allowed to say it? Are you allowed to like report I don't know. that? I don't think you are. Because like, they, Pat they, can't. We used to be like, because we used to get the NPD numbers from various things back at G four, and it's at some point the rules changed, and we couldn't do that anymore. Like, yeah. you, you weren't allowed to do that. And if you went through someone you knew got the numbers anyway, and said like, they're like, we will find who told you that. Basically, like, it was it was like a. Yeah, Pack they decided to lock it all down, and that was the end of that. Yeah, he was sending them to me for a long time, and it definitely helped. I mean, we'd talk about stuff on Invisible Walls. We had data that no one else had. We had, I mean, a G4, but then like, that worked for like five months, and then one day he I called me. I think we me. had an actual account. I think the website, oh, really? the website had. It's really expensive. A subscription. It's like uh, thirty grand a month. Yeah, but we had a subscription to it. I, I want to say because we used that stuff for all these different departments so much, and at a certain point, the party just ended. Yeah, Pat called me one day. He's like, "That's over." I don't yeah. know if they figured out that he was the one giving it to us. I mean, it probably wasn't very hard. No, as I recall, it was because like... Because they're like, where'd Shane get that data? And then they're like, oh, and there's this show called show with, yeah, yeah. Pack Attack on Game Trailers. Well, as I recall, it was like a thing where it was like, we change the rules and that we'll figure out who's giving people numbers if you do that and you won't be able to get our numbers anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, that's Packer's bread and butter. So that yeah. Yeah, you can't risk that. I still wish I had kept the... I wish I had thought to grab that off all those off my hard drive before i left yeah i would have kept that. that's cool because literally it's like 800 pages mm-hmm. and it goes all the way back to ever since i, I keep, tracked games i keep all that weird business stuff just because it's always interesting i still have all my i like, just forgot like i was just cleaning yeah. out my office and i had a million other things to do and i was just it just slipped my mind i to took it i took everything it. out of my folder to, to when, when i left just to make sure because some of that stuff was just you know things i wrote and you know scripts and stuff and yeah uh, you know, logs of footage. I'm like, hey, how did I do that? Oh, yeah. right, like that. Like, Sometimes I forget. Right? I, w- I regret it. I, w- I would, you could, that, that day would be very handy. Like, imagine if we had one of those reports just sitting here every episode. Mm-hmm. And every time we're like, hey, did the, how did that sell? I could just pull it out and be Boom. like, it sold. Whatever. But water under the bridge. So I feel like we're walking in these murky waters right now with privacy and data. Um, and so I think you're going to make good decisions with that stuff you're going to make some bad decisions i think this decision a lot of the bad decisions have already been made i think this decision by valve was a knee-jerk decision with very little sort of forward thinking on how it's going to impact things going on yeah it definitely doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a on the level of what's happening with facebook and google it feels like it's like okay so now no one can see what games i own i would be much more interested in what you're doing to protect my credit card information no you're right everyone's just covering their ass right now man because they're they're all petrified that there's going to be some crazy like class action lawsuit and they're going to go bankrupt and so all these tech companies now are just being crazy reactive proactive uh, just trying to make sure that they cover their butts in, in case something like that were to happen. So Yeah, let's bring a class action lawsuit against Microsoft complaining about how everyone can see my achievements and I didn't really finish Mass Effect 3. <laughs> All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about did, one, of the, one of the worst kept secrets from 
There are no good. There are no secrets anymore in this industry. It's hard to keep it just a really now. appears like there are just none. Well, it was well, the last time to... a game was announced other than Radical Heights, where you didn't see it coming. It just doesn't happen very often anymore. Yeah, Metroid Prime Four was a surprise. Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of assumed than, that well, it was coming, but I did. I never assume a Metroid game is coming. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, it still happens from you know, no one saw Shenmue Three coming. Uh, that's true, but. I mean, that was such a shock that reaction videos, like, went viral. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it does happen, people are like, oh, my God, a surprise. Well, if it's something that's that, you know, sometimes it's a surprise because no one cares. Right, yeah. It's like, <laughs> no one called, you know, Unraveled, yeah. but what are you <laughs> right. going to do? It's like, yeah, EA's making a game about a yarn boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, yeah. Um, well, but sequels to big properties. Uh, also people because, do care about it. Well, also because like these games take an army to make in yeah. multiple cities across continents, and you know someone gonna talk. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what happened with Spyro. People can't keep secrets. Yep. So Spyro remastered trilogy coming to pretty much every platform. Yep. Which is a big deal because those games were PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, they were PlayStation identified for sure. So if you have not been on the Sony train since the first PlayStation, mm-hmm. you've probably never played these games. Um, and now they're or, coming... And if you were, you might have played the later games uh, starring Elijah Wood. Which, uh, were, which were not good. Not good, yeah. Um, so I'm really impressed with this, I have to say. Mm-hmm. like I, We talked about this before a few months ago when, it, when the first news leaked out so we've known about we at least we thought we knew about this a long time ago um and we were running like um emulated footage of the original play and we were kind of sitting here at least i did and i was like do we really need these because we can just get an emulator and play them for free at like 1080p or whatever oh yeah now that i see yeah so this is the yeah. footage i'm talking about and i was watching this i'm like do we really need remasters now flip back to the remaster sam yeah. Yeah. That's really, I mean, I, yeah. It's not a remaster. It's a remake. This is like... Oh, they can be completely remade? Well, this is not just up the existing assets. This is, they remade this from the ground up like Crash Bandicoot, for oh, sure. Oh, wow. There's no way this is the PS1 game scaled up. Like the, no, you're right. I mean, it says yeah, they've scaled remodeled, up They've remodeled fun, everything. But everything's and... a new model. Everything's a new texture. Everything. Yeah, this is a remake. As much as Crash Bandicoot was. Impro- I think it looks great. It looks really good. I, I think I said when we originally talked about it, like... I think this game will look, these games will look amazing with mo- the right modern art design, and sure enough, it does. It looks really good. Uh, a couple aesthetic things I think they didn't quite nail, but like I think the there was a little more surrealism to the original games, and that was partly because they were so abstract that like you you didn't have a choice. But like I feel like they muted some of the colors and some of the environments a little bit more than I would have liked. But in general, I think it looks really nice. Yeah, I I'm going to get uh, it. I didn't get the Crash games, for sure. Yeah, I didn't I'm gonna either. Get, I'm going to get this. Well, I think Spyro is a, fa- a vastly superior franchise. Well, yes, it's an insomniac. Again, another, it's, it's an insomniac, uh, a quality insomniac game. From I mean, it's a great 3D day. platformer. Yeah. Period. Like, it doesn't even, like, that's what I, that, I think that's what I was getting at when we were talking about it before, is that this game is good no matter what its visuals look like. Oh, yeah. Like, and, like, if you play it, even even the originals now, you can tell. Like, this is by the people who would go on to make Ratchet & Clank. Yep. Like, this is, Absolutely. you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. Are you surprised that uh, Insomniac is not creating this? No. I think Insomniac's got a, other fish to fry. Well, yeah, we'll actually get to that a little bit <laughs> here in a minute. But, uh, but I'm really impressed with it. I'm excited for it. I couldn't 
care I couldn't care less about the crash stuff, but this game I'm going to play. I'm a big mm-hmm. 3D platformer guy, and like I said, this game is great no matter how good the graphics look. Just the design, the controls. Maybe that's my one concern is that the controls are are up to scratch because they were like sublime on the PlayStation, and I was not a huge fan of PlayStation controls in general. Mm-hmm. But this was one franchise where I played it. This Crash Team Racing was another one where I thought the controls were really good. Um, but yeah, I'm far beyond my expectations of what I thought they were going to do with this. And all three games in one mm-hmm. package. Well, I mean, it's the same thing that Crash got. It's pretty much what I expected. Well, except these games are lot, a lot longer than the Crash games. Like, the Crash games mm-hmm. are kind of these linear levels, and these are kind of more open world. This game probably took me 25 hours to finish mm-hmm. or something well, like that. Well, I think there's probably a reason they didn't do these first. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. They were probably like, let's test the waters first with Crash. Mm-hmm. And then once they saw that first week of sales rolling in, they're like, if they'll buy this, they'll buy anything. Light. <laughs> they'll buy anything. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this. What's the release date for this? Uh, September. September yeah. is uh, getting more and more crowded. I um, wish uh, April and March were yeah, more well, crowded. September's getting getting real. What was it? Somebody announced, oh, Spider-Man is, is also September. Yep. Uh, which is going to be, I think, have some negative consequences to Dragon Quest and um, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which are also right next to it. Like you, A lot of times I think you get that sort of thing where, especially these days, where it's like well, somebody's going to buy their one game for that month or whatever, and I think... A lot of people are going to pick Spider-Man. I can see some crossover of those franchises too. Where, I mean, I would def- people have to yeah. make a choice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would. I would. I mean, if I had to pick, I mean, I'd probably pick up Spider-Man in this if I could only get like two. Yeah, um, just because it's different enough, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of you know swinging around collecting stuff in Spider-Man. We'll see. Yep. We'll talk but, about uh, that in just a minute, actually. But uh, no, I'm. I will get this at some point. Maybe when it comes out, maybe closer to Christmas, we'll see. I know. never finished. I never even played the third one. I never. No, I never, I never finished. I don't think I played the third one. I never finished the second one. I finished the first one, probably half of the second one, and never even played mm-hmm. the third. So there'll be a game and a half here that I've never even seen at all. I don't even remember if I played the second one, but I did like the first one. Yeah, all my friends were playing it. Well, I, I didn't know anyone playing it except I was. Uh, I, so my friends was living in a house with like three other families or three people and one of them had a kid and the kid was playing this obsessively and one time I was over at her house and um the kid was playing and wanted us to play with with her and I you know we were taking turns with controller and I played it and I was like and I hadn't played it because it like it looked like a kid's dragon game right yeah. I, Insomniac didn't have the, the didn't have a name nothing. Yeah. They, the only game they made was Disruptor right. at that point I think yeah and uh I tried, and I was like this is really good. Like, yeah. this is like, like this is like like I was like wow this feels really good and I went and got it after I played it at that at that at that kid's well the funny kid's thing is I was like I did not expect to play Spire of the Dragon but I did play, but I don't think I ever got two or three I think one was sort of enough for me well the funny thing was that Crash was billed as the big competitor to Super Mario sixty four but no this was really the competitor to Super Mario sixty four. I mean, Crash... It's certainly more more in the same vein. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a legit 3D platformer with free roaming movement, whereas Crash was almost always on a 2D plane or you're running at the screen or running away from the screen at all times. So, uh, yeah. So, I think it's a pretty auspicious debut. I'm sure we've seen a lot more of it at E3. Mm-hmm. What next? What's the next PlayStation trilogy to get the uh, remaster, remake, remake remaster treatment? What other trilogies are left? Uh, well, they could do Twisted Metal. 
Yeah. Uh, they could do... Uh, now I'm, I, see, I'm in crazy The world's first yet. battle royale game. Yeah, they could do uh, uh, Colony Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, I'm just listing things that'll never get made now. Speaking of which, uh, they if could... David Jaffe is watching right now, maybe, he was mm. on our last stream mm-hmm. and followed us after the stream. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he, uh, he actually just started streaming on Twitch. Oh, yeah? He just does like a talk show or whatever where he just sits and chats with the people in his mm. chat. Um, he's, I think... David Scott Jaffe on Twitch. That sounds right. But anyway, if you're watching, David, good to see you, brother. Twisted Metal. Yeah, but his uh, game, Twisted Metal, was kind of the first Battle Royale. Because now you're seeing it with, like, H1Z1 has, like, a Battle Royale mode that's, like, all vehicles. And, I mean, Twisted Metal was kind of Battle well, Royale well, before the old, the old arena vehicle battle. I remember what they were. Car battlers, I guess, were what people called them. It yeah. Was a, it, was a, it was a trend for a while. You had that, and you had... Uh, Interstate 76 and uh, that stupid Star Wars one that came out on the Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that was, that, it was so weird that that was a thing for a while. Yeah, the car Twisted combat Metal, Twisted Metal started that. Uh, uh, the, ar- the old Armored Cores. You could remaster a bunch of those. Yeah. Uh, there was like 24 of those. On what was the uh, Rockstar car combat game? Auto, Auto Assault? No. no. That was an MMO. Uh, it was like it, it was like it's set in like a jungle or something. I can't remember what it was called. Somebody in chat, I bet you will know. You know what I'd like to see Rockstar do, like, a remake of that they'll never, ever, ever, ever do? Uh, would be Body Harvest. I loved... I oh, loved, I think that'd be a brilliant I idea. loved Body Harvest. I love the idea of Body Harvest. I've always wanted a GTA <laughs> expansion where, like, the Body Harvest aliens show up and just destroy Liberty City and you have to fight back. <laughs> that game was really frustrating, though. Oh, yeah. But it was, it was the prototype for uh, GTA 3. Oh, it absolutely was. It absolutely was. But there was, like, moments in that game. First of all, the... I mean, the scale of that game... Mm-hmm. was gigantic. Oh, it yeah. made GTA look like a hamlet. Mm-hmm. But there was points where you'd like get in a plane and you'd fly and you'd crash and you'd just get stuck. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. You couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. You literally could not get out of where you landed. Like that happened to me over and over again. Yeah, that was I at never the end finished of the, it. At the, I got to the last level of Siberia. I think it was the Siberia level was the last level. And uh, I never finished it. I did get like I don't of, know anyone who's finished. That I did game. get some of the. Pl- I don't even know if it's possible to finish Body Harvest. I got to the planes and I flew around and blew some stuff up and I crashed the plane and I was like, well, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Once once I get the plane in a game, I'm gonna, I mean, that was also like a problem with the the jungle level was like the big. You, That's you had, the last level I got. To. You had to destroy. I think it was level two. Yeah, and like the, you had to destroy. Basically, the big like base or whatever, like the big like kind of trifid looking thing. Yeah. Okay. And, like, the best way to do that is to basically go through all this horrible, like, just kind of grinding shit to get to uh, this B-17, this bomber. And you fly the bomber over the boss and just bomb it. And you instead of, like, sitting there and having to shoot it with your little yeah. pistol, you bomb it and destroy it and you win. Uh, <laughs> but if something goes wrong and that bomber crashes, that whole area where the boss is is, like, basically complete no man. Like, you can, you'll never get out because it's, you can't all, get back. it's yeah. all weird ridges you can't climb. Yep. So you're basically screwed. That game was delayed over and over and over again. It was supposed to be a launch front. title. Yeah, I know. I remember it seeing it in, like, all the magazines. And like, yeah. it was always Nintendo was supposed to publish it, and it all just, like, went off into crazy town. And Activision picked it up and put it out, like, in 98, I think DMA it was. Design. Or later. Yep. DMA Design. And they made GTA 3 and... I mentioned that, hey, this is like that body harvest thing, and they didn't like oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> they, they did not like that, that notion. Uh, that Everybody's just... totally like it. You just jump in the car and everything. Just shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Stop talking about body harvest. Our discussion of body harvest actually segues very nicely into our next discussion, which is 
Watch Dogs 3 was confirmed this week. And this wasn't a retailer slip or a developer slip or some dude looking at his laptop on the subway. This was straight out of this app that Ubisoft has that when it was announced and launched, people were like, what the hell is that thing? And as it turns out, it actually has some value because they let slip on the app that Watch Dogs 3 is, in fact, in development. Um, so, so, shocker. Sounds like, sounds like, yeah, I mean, we think we knew there was another one of those coming at some point. Yeah, I mean, the second one sold pretty well. Pretty well, but also, like, you, you can, I mean, look, the first one also sold pretty well. It was like, The first sold one sold better, well. I think, than the... Because, it, yeah, well, there was nothing there. Uh, to buy it was like it was like one of the earliest next gen games so a lot of people got it just because it was like okay this is an open world game it looks like pretty good next gen something to play it got the it, had, it got the launch window bump um, well it got the bull shot bump that too but you don't <laughs> you don't sell that many copies off of that because most people don't even know that happened um this one I've, i i liked watch dogs too but i found it weird and tonally uh kind of broken in some ways like for some reason it 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 has kind of an interesting take on the world and how things work but then when you play the actual game and the missions it feels like a very standard by rote uh open world yeah like, crime game absolutely which is yeah. weird because With maybe like, a little bit more of a focus on stealth somewhat but also like, i mean they gave you tons of weapons and stuff and there's a certain point at which i'm like I feel like the guy, Marcus, the guy you're playing, I feel like he wouldn't murder thousands of people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was too nice. And eventually they did do a DLC <laughs> pack that, like, gave you a bunch of non-lethal things that were, yeah. that were better than what came in the basic game. But, like, there was a certain... After I, like, headshotted, like, the 50th dude in one mission, I'm like, I just don't feel like this guy does this. That wasn't his personality And at then all. comes yeah. back to this board game shop and starts talking about the cool Hacksaw stuff he just did. Yeah. Like, it just... I mean, the man carries, like, a yo-yo as yeah, his, like, totally melee off, weapon. It was definitely. just very weird. I but, liked him as a character, but yeah. you're right. What you what he was forced to do in the game made no sense for his personality yeah. whatsoever. But like, I had, I had fun with it more like in, as a toy. Uh, I spent literal hours using the like auto draw, like taking over the the the, the cars. You make them like like ramp, speed up yeah, it's and fun. Yeah, I just I caused havoc with that, blowing entire intersections up. I played with the traffic and the pedestrians in this game more than probably any game since GTA Three. Yeah, like that was the fun part to me. I mean, you kind of hacked the game. Yeah, <laughs> you found your own enjoyment, and I think that's what a lot of these open world crime based games are about: mm -hmm. is providing that toy, that sandbox to yeah. fiddle around with. And just mess with it however you want. Make sure there are rules that apply. Um, so you actually have some kind of a motivation to do things. So you have a framework to work from, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I think this game did a good job of that. But to me, the setting of it and the characters, I just ultimately just did not care. I think I liked it more than the first one, maybe a little. Sort of. I, I mean, the first I like... one was very drab and bland. Right. I like the setting because it's where I grew up. Like, oh, of course. This, I mean, the rendition of San Francisco is the best yeah. in a video game well, ever. Well, also, if, I think this is the first time, because I grew up on the peninsula, this might be the first time in my entire life I've seen San Mateo right. in a freaking game. I mean, also, like, I think I think I even mentioned it when, when the game was, was first out here, but, like, they nailed th that area in terms of 
tone and kind of like you know you have like the humorous pedestrian comedy yeah, yeah. like nailed it yeah and i i my, <laughs> my early on because i first thing i did when i got like you know freedom to run around the map was i drove down the peninsula to to, to where you to live Palo Alto, yeah. where i live look around and at some point i was going through palo alto uh which looks just as unfamiliar as it to me here as it is, does in real life now because it's all different because uh, and I was driving around on a motorcycle, and I was going too fast, and I hit a car, and I, fl- I kind of flipped over and hit, um, I, I, like, Marcus flipped over and hit a building, and, like, just smacked into the building and fell down. And a passing pedestrian goes, oh, I just can't stand that crunch sound. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's home. Like, I'm home. Like, that's who these, that's who people are in that town. Like, it was, like, the idea that the most, the worst thing about what just happened is how it affected you is, like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, that, yeah. Well, that's kind of the, California in a nutshell, isn't true, it? True, <laughs> but like it's just that kind of the Silicon Valley era area. I mean, I'm sure I don't need to convince people outside of California that the Silicon Valley area is ripe for that kind of satire. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying they don't really live in the same world we do, and yeah. even by me I live in LA, California standards, like that's not the same world, you know. And so like. I'm just saying, if you played Watch Dogs 2 and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe some of the crazy... I'm telling you, it's not, it's not that, that crazy. <laughs> not that crazy. How do you feel about the, the third game? What do you want from it? Do you want it to continue the story of this group of elite hacksaws? Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Marcus again, um, but I do kind of feel like uh, this one tried a little too hard right. uh, in a lot of places, especially like kind of the, the visual design. Um, I wouldn't mind going back to a little more sinister aspect of thing because look, uh, hacktivist stuff notwithstanding, like these people are horrible criminals, yeah. and I, like I'm still stealing tons of money from people as I pass by them with my phone. You know, like, right. these are not nice people. Yeah, yeah. And while Aiden was a terrible character in the first game, very bland. Um, yeah. Who basically the whole game was kind of bland, who basically though. ruined the lives of everyone around him, yeah. including his sister and you know, obviously his niece, who gets killed because of what he's doing. Spoiler! Um, spoiler for the first five minutes <laughs> yeah. of the game from 2014. Right. Yes. <laughs> some people get um, testy about that stuff. Yeah. Well, some people are dumb. <laughs> um, also, Thanos is in Infinity War. Sorry. Like, who knew? <laughs> There are people complaining that, like, the new ad for Infinity War shows, like, more Infinity Stones in his gauntlet than the last one. And they're like, oh my god, the spoilers, he got more. Like, of course he gets all the Infinity Stones. That's the, sto- that's the story. The spoiler is how he gets them. I don't uh, know do you that. think my mom will notice that there's more Infinity Stones? <laughs> is your mom freeze-framing step-by-step step through the, through the, through the tra- new trailer to find this shit? To then go on Twitter and complain about spoilers and the thing that she frame-by-frame through? Because otherwise, probably not. Otherwise, uh, you know what? I, I do not believe I would notice that there are I Infinity Stones. Did you? Yeah. I don't care. Right, I, right. Like, if I don't want spoilers, I'm not going to watch your trailer. It's just so funny to me how people get so... guess what? I already so... bought my tickets. I don't need to see another trailer for this movie. I'm already there. People get so bent out of shape over the silliest stuff now. It's just crazy. But I I, uh, I would like to see... Um, like, I like... The, I mean, the, going a little wacky with it isn't terrible, but, like, rein it in a little bit. Uh, I think the emphasis on... Um, like, one of the things that annoyed me about, too, was how... They generated those stupid random missions, like kind of the yeah. online missions where they wanted you to team up with people online. Yeah. Or whatever, and, go, 
And it's like they mix those in with your main story stuff and all. And like you could never get rid of them all. Yeah. Like you could never clear your log, you know? And that bugs the hell out of yeah, me. Yeah, you hear like, OCD like that. And I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> put those in a separate tab so I can ignore them forever. And I know that's not going to happen because Ubisoft thinks that's why I'm going to play this game forever and right. buy their microtransactions and stuff. Like, you know, that's how they want to monetize their open world games is, you know, you see that with Far Cry 5 with like, the arcade, they expect that for some reason the Far Cry arcade is going to keep us playing for a year Not or something. Happen, it's like, yeah. no, come on. Like You'll fiddle around with the 10 best projects or whatever. Yeah, and I'll then... play it long enough to get a trophy and right. never look <laughs> at it again. You know, like that's what people do. So I think what I would say about the third Watch Dogs that I would like to see is kind of a middle ground between the two games. I thought the first game was too bland and serious. Mm-hmm. And then I thought this game was too goofy and irreverent. And they, they don't feel like they're from the same franchise to me. Like, you could have told me that this was some other ha- lead Hacksaws, the game or whatever, and I'd be like, okay, fine. I never would have said, oh, this is a Watch Dogs game. There are some tenuous threads between the two games, if you really are a fan mm-hmm. and you know what to look for. But otherwise, I thought the tone of the two games could not be different. Yeah, you can tell basically through the interface is yeah. the main thing they share. Exactly, those lines. Yeah. That, I mean, that's one of the, one of the tells, but... I thought the first game was too far one direction. I thought this game was too far the other. And I, I hope that they find a happy medium for the third one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think you, th- there is a great game in this Watch Dogs there is, absolutely somewhere. We don't, we don't just need a game that's yet. just dour and dull and intense the whole time. Mm-hmm. And we don't need one that's like millennials and, on a disc either. Right, and you need a better demo than that drone oh, thing yeah. you did at E3 for this guy, because yeah. that was, oh my god, you stopped the conference dead. For well, like well also, I was just that. like, wait, I, I've been playing Splinter Cell for like 12 years now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, does this really do anything different from that? Yeah, let's have a Sam Fisher cameo in, in Watch Dogs 3. Let's see what happens. Well, he's he's appearing in He's Wild everywhere Lands. now. Well, I think they're getting ready to announce a new Splinter Cell. I would think so, and at least Michael Ironside is back, because that was the big mistake they made. With Absolutely, yeah. And, and even even at a shout out to Solid Snake. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways maybe Ubisoft feels like this is Splinter Cell now though. Because yeah. Splinter Cell was a stealth franchise. This for an open world game, this easily has the most stealth of any open world action adventure on the market. Yeah, well it's also Except for maybe Assassin's Creed, but even the new Assassin's Creed, this has more. Also I feel like in the in this in the world we live in now, it's very hard to make a Splinter Cell that A feels um sufficiently fictional yeah you're right <laughs> and like doesn't kind of cross over into like oh that's a little too real kind of right. territory you know yeah. like like we're in a weird place right now uh, probably not the most tom clancy friendly no you're right era you're absolutely right um but i here's the thing where though. would you want watchdogs 3 to take place new york city Ugh, how boring. How's that boring everyone does new york new york is just new york there's it's only so many cities yeah, but do I mean, every game they've done, done L.A., New York, San Francisco, Miami. Nobody's done San Francisco and L.A. that much. Like, San Francisco's, I can think of three games. Really? Yeah. That have done L.A.? San Francisco. I mean, they can't go to San Francisco. They already went to San Francisco. But San Francisco doesn't get pop up in, game, in open world games much. Yeah. L.A. doesn't either. I mean, GTA does it. True Crime L.A. did it 13 years Midnight ago. Midnight Club. That's not the same. If I can't get out of the car, it doesn't count. <laughs> well, if you, you, you changed your demand. At first, it was just L.A. or San Francisco in games, and then it became open world games. Well, if we're going to count games. all games, I'm, 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 you know, I don't I count. was just talking about visual representations of a city. Well, I don't care about that. I mean, using the, using the city as a setting for, for Watch Dogs. 
for how you know what what city would benefit watchdogs the most and i, I think new york because new york has all those five different boroughs all these distinct neighborhoods yeah, they're with, not going to do with that they're, ethnic enclaves they're going to do a chunk of manhattan that's just a giant grid and it's always it's going to be the same thing we already saw in liberty city a thousand times and we're already going to get a better version of new york this fall in spider-man so i mean look uh, it, I, it, I would prefer them go somewhere weird are you talking about U.S. only or Not anywhere? Oh well, then Barcelona would be a great city for hmm. watchdogs. It's uh, is that a tech place? I don't know any. Uh, I don't know anything. Is about any Barcelona. place not a tech place well, in twenty eighteen? True. true. <laughs> Amsterdam would be a great city for a setting. Amsterdam would be interesting, and you could you could you could mix the the more serious stuff with the with the more lighthearted stuff uh, in Amsterdam pretty easily. What about Venice? Definitely not a tech hub. No, and the there's high, no city like it. The high speed stuff would, would take a hit from the boats. Right. Well, just imagine though, if it was an open world game where you didn't have cars, you had you had bikes. That you could had be, that could be interesting if it took place just you sort had of in mopeds Italy. Mopeds and you had boats. That could be interesting if it was like if it did like a San Andreas thing where you had like Rome, Italy, and like Napoli, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting for sure because all those cities are very distinct. Or if it all took, or if it all took place kind of in a general Mediterranean sort of Rome. Rome, Athens, kind of a Greece sort of. You took place nice. in that sort of that sort of Baltic area where like the economy's going cra- going in the in the tubes. But we better than another still... Vice City. We don't need to see Miami again. That's for sure. Or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but look, San Francisco like, or, was a uh, good city for the game. San Francisco is a good city, but I mean, I don't think you can stay there. No, I feel like L.A. is a little too predictable. And yeah. GTA Five already did it. Yeah, you know, in a way, that, like no one wants to touch LA because if you're talking about a grid, I mean LA is pretty much a big grid. It's too. a series of grids that collide in horribly frightening ways. Yeah, if you're and then you at get and if you go to the edge of the grid, you get to the beach. Yeah, the beach or the <laughs> desert, right. or the orange, or or orange County, and then you're like, I'd rather be in the desert. But I think that's why California is used so much because right, we have every, all these microclimates, every kind of terrain. I mean, within two hours of here. We can go surfing. We can go snowboarding. Mm-hmm. We can go to the desert. You can get. You can find any kind of environment in California except tundra. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Antarctica stuff yeah. like that. Yep. You can't find like tundra. Yeah, that's about it. I think you say that about most states. True. So <laughs> um, for Alaska, well, I mean, or you know, there's, there's places in Montana that would probably count. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Technically. So, are you excited about Watch Dogs Three? Uh, not yet. I mean, in the sense that I will think you be? It depends. I have to see what it is. I mean, I am excited in the sense that I think Watch Dogs has a ton of potential. Like, if Ubisoft um, just emailed us right now and said, "Hey, you guys are invited to a Watch Dogs preview event next Thursday," would you be excited to go to it? Where is it? wherever you want it to be it's not about where it is it's about the game are you excited oh, but about it but it is game? about where it is because i will travel only so far for Watch Dogs <laughs> 3 i don't care what it is okay well let's say it's two miles away from your place in hollywood yeah i'll probably go to that but are you excited about it are you i don't pumped? know i need to see it when you sit down in the seat are you like man i can't wait to see this because there are some games when i would get that invite and i'm like um like the night before i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm gonna check out the new metroid tomorrow or whatever like there are games that get me going like that. Watch Dogs isn't one of those franchises, though. I'd, I'd have to see it. I have to know what it is. I have to know where it Assassin's takes place. Creed is still a franchise like that for me. Mm, yeah. I mean, I would be. I guess I'd feel like that about Origins back in the time because they're reinventing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have felt that way about Syndicate. You know, because it's just. But I'm just saying, before you know what it is, I'm excited to find out what it is. And mm. with Assassin's Creed, I'm like that. There's lots of franchises. I'm like, but with 
This one, I'm not. I don't know, necessarily know why, but I, I mean, I'm interested to find out what it is. But I, I guess in this in the context of like an event, I don't know if I'd want the Ubisoft people to see my face <laughs> when it's revealed because it, I might not be. It might be disappointing. I don't even really have a lot of expectations for Watch Dogs Three. I don't know. Like I asked, like what city you you would pick because I don't really have a city in mind. Like yeah. Chicago's a good. We don't see a lot of Chicago in these open world games. You don't see a lot of San Francisco. You don't see a lot of Midwest, Midern. I was actually US about to say, like, like the Dallas Fort Worth area. You really think that would be good? I don't know if it'd be good, but it's a it's a tech appropriate location. I think Austin probably would be the Austin best. Austin as well. City. Like, yeah. but you can do that whole kind of Austin, San Antonio yeah. kind of like you could do like a San Andreas style thing. Um, like, I just got invited to. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider event, like, at the end of this month. I'm excited for that. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what the new Tomb Raider looks like, how it plays. Um, but if I got that same invite for Watch Dogs 3, I would not be all that excited. I'd have to I'd have to know more about it. Like, right now, I'm just like, it, it's, they're going to do it. They're doing, officially doing another one I, I, I expected they would do, uh, of a series that I think has a ton of potential that it has never lived up to. Yeah. And maybe this time they will. So that's exciting. Yeah, it does but, have potential. Yeah. I mean, it, really, with this franchise, the sky is kind of the limit mm-hmm. um, because of its its technology bent. Yeah, but the I just don't feel like it's ever lived up to that potential. No, due to myriad issues, it's not just one thing. It mm-hmm. seems like with each of the games, it was different things that kind of kept it from reaching that mm-hmm. that height. And I just, I mean, I don't know reaching we, that radical height. <laughs> we just don't know. Worst game name ever. There's, there's a little bit of that same Watch Dogs 2 tryhard yeah, you're in right. that as <laughs> yeah. well. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I would think about setting it in Tokyo, maybe. Oh, Tokyo's great for any game. Absolutely. Um, or Seoul. Uh, I've never been there. Like, Asia would be a, a, a valid location for just about any major city there would be a good location. Yeah, there was a the one Dogs GTA game. that was set. It wasn't actually... It was set in, like, Japantown in the United States, right? It wasn't actually set in uh, It was, Asia. like, Chinatown Wars, or right. there was a... Uh, yeah. It wasn't actually set in It was in not China. set in it, yeah. yeah. I think GTA is almost inextricably American at this point. It's about America. That's, yeah, it is. It's a satire of and they, they'd our prefer, wondrous society. They'd prefer we just forget about that one expansion that took place in London. Yeah. Uh, that was mostly... seemed mostly influenced by Austin Powers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Swinging 60s London. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, man, I'd play that GTA in a heartbeat I would, too. Today. I mean, that'd yeah. be a great... But I don't. I just don't think that's what they think the series is yeah. anymore. Yeah, I don't think they want to take the piss out of their own country. They want to take well, it out of pl- There's plenty of piss to be taken out of every country, probably. For sure. But, like, it's yeah. just... You know, if you're talking about universal appeal, Americans love to see themselves, yeah. and everyone outside of America loves to see Americans made fun of, so... Yeah. I like that, seeing us made fun yeah, of. I'm that's totally your, fine with it. That's your universal appeal yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next yeah, about pun- another open up. world. They're punching up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're going to talk next about another open world game, although I didn't really realize it was an open world game until yeah. Game Informer did some excellent coverage of it for its cover story this month, and that is Marvel Spider-Man from Insomniac. Talk about them a lot this mm-hmm. episode already. Um, so Game Informer has been blowing this game out. Up until now, we kind of only had that one gameplay demo and a couple trailers. Um Really, the game was kind of shrouded in secrecy. Um, most of the previous Spider-Man games were either open world or kind of a pseudo open world. You kind of have to have that if you're going to do the web slinging. Yeah, you need some space. Yeah. Um, Matt, have you been following the coverage of this on Game Informer? More or less. I mean, I read the, I read most of the Game Informer stuff or watched most of the stuff. Uh, 
I'm, I got to admit, I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, I don't need to see any more in this game. Well, yeah, I mean, like, we're both excited for it. We're both going right. to play it. But tons and tons of details were revealed in the Game Informer mm -hmm. stuff. What kind of caught your eye? What, what made the, the biggest impact on you? Um, well, the most important thing, I think, is uh, the description of how the web swinging works, uh, which is obviously what everybody worries about. thing you do the most, yes. Um, really important. And how it's, you know, it, it does seem to be uh, fairly open-ended in terms of how you choose to do it. It's about momentum. It's about, you know, kind of linking one thing to the next. The, the parkour, or as, as one of the game former guys said, Peter Parkour, <laughs> which the Insomniac guys were like, yes, we made that joke already, believe it or not. <laughs> like a million yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kind of like, you know, because it was hard to kind of get a, uh, an idea in like the E3 demo of how that all worked or if it was more canned, you know, because you can do it without, you know, the original Spider-Man movie game and that the, the PlayStation 1 uh, and uh, Dreamcast game just sort of like had it as kind of a generic transit, like you know, thing. You, you just held the button and he moved, kind of thing. Um, and it was Spider Man 2 that sort of brought in, which by the way, Spider Man 2 is a terrible game, um, but it happens to have a really good swinging mechanic, or at least for the, it did for the time. And it used physics to kind of, you had know, to keep the momentum going, and you had to actually attach to an actual building and not magically attach to the sky. Um, which is not true to the comics. I mean, he attaches webs to, to God half the time, it seems like. Just wherever, in the comics? In the comics, yeah. There's not a lot of attention paid to where he would have where to... Where the web's going. Unless there's a joke to be made right. about how, oh, there's no tall buildings in L.A., so he, there's been a couple times he visited California or whatever, and he's like, oh, my God, I ran out of buildings, you know? Because <laughs> um, New York is right. much taller. That'll never happen, yeah. And... Um, so uh, they seem to be kind of doing a nice sort of happy medium on that. Like, I am not married to the idea of web swinging has to be perfectly physics accurate because it, yeah, should, be, it, it should be fun. fun. It should, yeah, you know, absolutely. For yeah. my money, the best Spider-Man game ever made is uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows, uh, which is the one where the symbiotes take over right. the entire city. Yeah. Um, but it's the closest thing to a Spider-Man game that I would want that they've ever gotten, and I feel like they nailed the, the balance of like fun and easy control of the web swinging versus versatility and how I was able to swing around. Uh, this looks a little better than that in terms of kind of how they're giving you the freedom to sort of you know, keep that momentum going, you swing down, you swing over, if you hit a building, you don't just smack into the building, you run up the building, and then you have options of how to run over the top of the building to either keep yourself moving forward. That's always been dicey in Spider-Man games. Yeah. Uh, this, this Once is, you get attached to the side of a building, how it handles... How do you get away? How do you get away? How... Which way is Which up direction? or down? Yeah. Do you when jump, you get to the top of the corner? Out, do you jump over? Yep. Do you jump... Around, when you like get up a, to the top corner of the building, how, do you go up over and stand up, or mm -hmm. do you hang on the? That's always been a problem in almost every Spider-Man game. So from the descriptions from in this, it seems like Insomniac spent a lot of time thinking about that too. Yeah, and they seem to have come up with some pretty good solutions for it in terms of like you have the choice of either parkouring over the side, over the top, or kind of leaping past and continuing to swing, or using a zip line to kind of pull yourself over the building top. Um, you, have, you have options everywhere. It seems like options is kind of the watchword for this game. No, you're right. How you, how you it fight and how you move and all that kind of how you dress even. 
Yeah, because there's what, like six different suits? More, like more the, than six? Well, the the in the in, in the Game Informer article, the the, the guy said he, he the art the, the guy said there he was sh- like a punk rock Spider Man. Yeah, that's from the comics as well, but the multiverse thing, the multiverse thing is really expanding the number of suits that you can deal with. But he said I discovered him my a, lack of knowledge of Spider Man reading this coverage. They showed I him, was like, wow, I don't know half of what I thought I did. The reporter said they showed him like a a a, a bunch of like silhouetted, you know, indistinguishable suits to be unlocked. And he wrote there was twenty four on a screen, so he Whoa. so he wrote down twenty four, and they stopped him and said, "Oh, there's more than that." Really? But like, there's there's tons of Spider Man suits because what you have to also remember is they change his abilities. Yes, you can change their they, they each come with a different ability, and you can also take abilities and transfer them to your favorite suits if you don't want to wear. A, like, I guess like the the classic suit has quad damage. You can activate quad damage for a brief amount of time, but they said you can take I take that and apply it to your other favorite suit if you don't want to have to wear the classic suit for that power. There are some light RPG elements in it. Mm-hmm. There's some crap, which I was really pleasantly up. surprised by. I thought that I, I feel like I knew that already. I did not know that. Um, I really thought it was kind of a more straightforward Spider-Man game, and I mean, in a lot of ways. It, I may have been assuming it wasn't because I know that there's no way Insomnia could make that, and people wouldn't freak out. One thing that had to be an open world action RPG. Here's one thing that I never thought of until I read Game Informer's coverage is how similar Spider-Man is to Ratchet and Clank. Mm -hmm. That I totally slipped my mind how he's fixated on gadgets and he Mm -hmm. always has these little gadgets that he uses. Maybe not to the extent that Batman does, but there's a gadget wheel. So you select the gadgets just like you do in Ratchet and Clank. There's a wheel that pops up and you use the analog stick to select which one you want. That's how many gadgets there are in this game. Um, overall, the coverage that, based upon what Game Informer said, I am way more excited for this game than I was. Mm. I really kind of thought it was just going to be another Spider-Man game where you swing around town, go into the next waypoint, you get to the waypoint, you beat up a couple thugs, and there is a little bit of that uh, based upon what I what I read. But it sounds like the structure is far more open. Um, the mission objectives sound a lot more varied. That was another problem with prior Spider-Man games. They ran out of things for you to do. It was always just mm-hmm. like, hey, there's these group of thugs robbing an old lady in the alley. Go beat up the thugs. Either that Man, or... That's, that's high concept for some of those old Spider-Man games. I mean, how many times in Spider-Man 2 did you have to rescue that damn kid's balloon? All right. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Or just like the <laughs> lack of control. Like, it's so hard to nail kind of how he how he plays. Like, you know, like, you know, Spider-Man 2 is fun when you're swinging around. Uh, but, like, the instant you have to, like, you know, start actually playing the game. Yeah. You know, like, I remember the... I gave up playing that game during the some of the... One Mysterio boss fight where you had to do this platforming section that, I swear to God, felt like it was built by someone who had never, like, touched the jumping mechanic. Like, because, like, I'm like, I can't jump that far. Like, that's not... Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't control, and, like, the camera doesn't want to show me the ground, so I don't know where I'm going to land. Like, that was... And, like, you know, Insomniac... I've always had faith that Insomniac was going to make something great here. Like, because that's what Insomniac pretty much does. So, except for Fuse. Pretty much. I don't know. I mean, also, Sunset like, Overdrive was good, but I, I looked at that game a lot like Watch Dogs, where the tone just wasn't ever right for... Mm, I love Sunset Overdrive from top to bottom. And I think Sunset Overdrive was actually the game that made me the most confident in the Spider-Man game from them. Because you're kind well, of halfway there game, in yeah. that, you know? They had, like, the wire grinding and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I, you know, like you've said before, we, we talked to them, a couple of those guys, like, right after they announced this uh, at, at, at uh, Patrick's party, that E3, and, like, 
they were so excited to make this. Yeah. That like that was the other thing that really, you know, boosted my confidence is like these guys really want to be there and really want to be doing this game. And even, in fact, uh, Ted Price even says that in the Game Informer coverage where they ask uh, uh, what his favorite thing about Brian, the lead, the, the director yeah. is. Who used to be a journalist. Yeah. What, what's he his used favorite to write thing? for EGM. <laughs> what's his favorite thing about Brian? And, and Ted Price says the, how excited he is to make a Spider-Man game yeah. is his favorite thing. It makes thing. a big difference. And... Uh, that's yeah. That's that's a great answer to that because like if you know, certainly I'm sure there were times you can play some of those older Activision Spider-Man games and be like, okay, they were just finishing the contract, right? Uh, you yeah. Know? Like the Amazing Spider-Man games for. Uh, well, we had a friend who worked on some of those. Yeah, but like I'm even. And they like, were always passable. Yeah, but he you know he also was a big Spider-Man fan and tried to put it put that into him. That happened a lot. But then like you got later on, you got you know I, I felt like the Amazing Spider-Man two was just. We gotta we gotta make one last Spider-Man game before this contract's up. No, absolutely. We gotta, we gotta move on. That's also how I felt about uh, that last Transformers game they made, Rise of the Dark Spark yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> I, uh, I I've got to say that I because I know Insomniac's games and I know mechanically Insomniac's games are always top notch. I have a, a really good feeling that this could be like the best superhero game ever made. There's a possibility for sure. Um, I mean, I think I think it's definitely going to be in the Arkham Asylum, Arkham City range. That's what I'm talking about. And now that Batman is gone, I mean, obviously Rocksteady's not even making Batman anymore. I mean, this has. We'll see what we get out of that. They're about. They should be about ready to announce E3. We should see Rocksteady's new game, and I don't think it has anything to do with superheroes. Although I think it it wouldn't surprise me if it did. I I think it's Suicide Squad. Really, rumors obviously have been Superman, but. Nah, Superman games just don't do interest that. me. I think it's going to be the Suicide Squad game that they te- that, that ironically uh, the other team teased at the end of Ar- uh, Arkham Origins, because that's the only thing that they really have from the DC Cinematic Universe that really had any kind of cultural impact. Because like, I would that, rather see a, a, a unique IP, original IP from. I agree, but I think you're going to get a Suicide Squad game. I, th- I think uh, the only thing they have going right now is that kind of thing. That sort of hit, you've got recognizable characters that could kind of form like a like a Arkham style sort of world, open worldy sort of thing they could work with. And you've got Harley Quinn uh, up front and center, and Harley Quinn is the only DC character currently that I think has uh, universally positive uh, like culture, pop culture impact right now. Yeah. So focus on Harley and get some you know. Get some Deadshot in there, get some Deathstroke in there, and I think you've got uh, your formula. I should I should have <laughs> mentioned that there's not a lot of stiff competition for best superhero video game. No, ever, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not a flooded market of excellence. No. But uh, I do, at the very least, I will not be surprised if this is now the best Spider-Man game ever made. Yeah, uh, I mean, as of right now, it's probably the first one. First what? Spider-Man game. That's the uh, one I had Web, the most fun with. Web of Shadows is my pick for yeah, sure. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier, but I don't think I even played Web of Shadows, to be honest. Web of Shadows is great. By Shaba Games, who were shut down immediately afterward, never got a chance <laughs> to make another thing. But it captured everything very, very well, I thought. Um, I like the original PS1 Dreamcast one as That's well. That's what I was talking about. Uh, yeah. Which is uh, one of the best written, I think. It's, yeah. fun, it's much funnier. Um Web which Sh- is the tone of Spider-Man, by the way. Yeah, Web- it's actually got my favorite Venom scene in the history of anything, which is where they're 
where he teams up with Venom to to figure out what's going on, and and Venom's like, "Oh, are we gonna surf the web?" Oh yeah, and like, they, and then it cuts to them in the library, like looking for the, and and like Venom's standing on a desk with a computer, his foot on a computer, going, "Surf the web, surf the web," and it's like, it's like, yeah, it's Venom. Like, when Venom's yeah. being we- feeling weird, that's what Venom is. Probably not how the Tom Hardy Venom is gonna play yeah. out, but here we go, Tom Tom Venom hardly in it. Uh, so uh, God, I wonder if Venom's in this one. Probably not. I mean, you got 26 outfits at least. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure the black costumes in there somewhere. Yeah. But like, uh, I would, I would be surprised if they put Venom in this because Venom's got his movie coming up. Well, I'll say this much, and that's why the graphics. Maybe says... there'll be Venom DLC. They said there's going to be story like DLC mission stuff. Yeah. So, um, to me, this coverage has completely swung my opinion of it. I, it's not that I wasn't excited for it. Mm-hmm. I really just thought that it was going to be another Spider-Man game with better production values. Um, but now, after reading the coverage from Game Informer, I my opinion has swung. Thus, the uh, the, the uh, graphic. Um, yeah, this is mostly just confirmed everything I was expecting it to be. Um, so I'm also pleased. Also, I think I think Game Informer's done a really good job with all the coverage. It's it's it has been really good. It's yeah. varied. It's interesting. It's informative. Uh, it's not the same thing over and over again. Um, that one video where they asked the uh, Brian 114 questions. They do that with funny. almost all their cover stories. Yeah, I love that was those. Very, I've never seen that before. That was very fun. That was very yeah. funny. They did one with God of War as well. That was really good. Oh, with Corey. Yeah. yeah a Corey lot Bar- of it depends. Corey on who's answering would be good. The Yeah. Questions. Yeah. It, it depends who's doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited for Spider-Man. It's going to be hard for Insomniac to keep this a PlayStation 4 exclusive. They could make so much. I mean, I realize they don't have a, they don't have a, a, the choice. Yeah, I don't think they. But yeah. man, they could make so much more money off of this game if it was multiplayer. I think it'll, I think it'll do okay. It absolutely will. But you could make a lot more if it were on other platforms. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to see it on the X1X. Yeah. The Xbox. Yeah. Well, you get your PS4 Pro out. Give it yeah. a little workout. Yeah. Well, my PS4 Pro is always out. Yeah. It was out today to play the Witcher 3 HDR patch. Oh, how did that look, by the way? Uh, it's garbage. Is it? Uh, they, uh, <laughs> you had to wait for forever to get it. The drawing for the... Like, the, the, the LOD drawing like is like... The trees really? are popping in and out of existence. It's awful. It's like they need to fix it. Like wow. They broke it. They broke the draw distance. Wow. So maybe that's why it took so long to come out. I've been because right. I've also been. Yeah, I don't know what. I guess they punted in the end. That's weird. It did not look good. Uh, apparently, it's ten. It's even worse than like the 1080p downsampling setting. Weird. Um, and uh, so yeah, but, but in comparison, uh, I was playing it on Xbox One X because they had it on sale. So I'm like, sure, I'll I'll own The Witcher Three on every platform. Why not? Yeah. And I played that because it you know they do they have the 4K HDR on that too, and it looks amazing. Looks looks. Uh, I mean, it's not 60 frames a second like on my PC, but it looks pretty damn good. Or maybe right. it is 60. I can't remember. But yeah, the PS, PS4 Pro is always out. It's ready. But I, I would totally buy an Xbox One X version of Spider-Man. But uh, um, I think a lot of people would. I, I feel like Sony would have something to say about yeah, that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Insomniac's already went on record saying no way it comes to any other platform. Of course not. Sony, Sony publishing and funding. It yeah, it's not even just a time exclusive. It's just no. Eternal. I mean, Sony also has the license, and Sony has the license for the movies, and so yeah. I mean, Sony is very tied in with the Spider-Man thing. Yeah, point. remember the PlayStation 3 was like they used the font from the Spider-Man yeah, movie on the yeah. PlayStation 3. Well, hell, up until this past weekend, the first Spider-Man movie was the number one domestic box office champion for Sony of all time. Yeah. Just got passed this past weekend by Jumanji. 
believe Jumanji. I know. It's believe crazy. it or the Rock is dude. Just, the Rock is just gold. Yeah. Well, you I, watch this stupid ass Rampage movie is gonna have a big. The opening. Rampage movie is reviewing like crazy, like like getting good reviews. Like people are saying it's the best video game movie ever made for whatever that's worth. I mean, but it's not even really like a no, video game movie. But like but it's, I mean, it's Rampage. It just Rampage. Has <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Like as much as anything yeah people love it's, it's got to be closer than house of the dead yeah um but the, at the very least i've seen it's like yeah best best uh best uh video game movie at least since like mortal Kombat, um which was 23 <laughs> years ago yeah 22 years that's 22, not 23. that's not saying much be it's not a high mortal bar Kombat. but it's still <laughs> the bar know. is very low but Absolutely. still like this is a pretty obvious one yeah it's, it's also kind of like i didn't think assassin's creed was terrible I watched it on HBO a couple times. It was. Pretty, it wasn't good. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, it's also like Michael Fassbender. What are you doing? You're better. I mean, I can I can see why you'd think like, oh, this would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. My main problem with the Assassin's Creed movie is like maybe 20 minutes takes place in the past. Yeah, you're right. It's like I don't. Yeah. You know, if somebody made and it's the, like right at the beginning. Right. If somebody made the game like that, I'd be like, come on. Yeah. Come on. If you've seen the trailers, you've seen like a third of the past stuff already. No, you're right. Like, it's you're absolutely right. They try to sell it that way. Yep. But like, right. yeah, and Silent Hill. Silent Hill was not an amazing translation of the game, but it, it was a decent, passable, little, decent little thing. Yeah, I just enjoyed seeing a lot of those characters in the live action set. Yeah, sometimes that's just enough for me to watch it at least. I wouldn't yeah. pay money to go see it at a theater though. That's certainly, why I ended up seeing the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, <laughs> very interested to see what Illuminations does with that property. Yeah. I don't know if I'm excited about it. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an Illuminations fan, but it's like. I don't know. Like, I'm fascinated by how you would make a coherent narrative out of that property in, in a way that isn't stupid like the old cartoons used to be. Yeah. That, like, kind of fits that sort of blockbuster CG movie formula that everything fits. Are we going to see Mario with, like, the one eyebrow up and the, in the, in the, you know, with the, 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 the DreamWorks face on the trailer, trailers, the posters? Probably. Maybe. I mean, it's going to, and, like, Nintendo's probably going to have an iron grip on the, you know, the, the editorial on, all, on oh, everything. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Which would be a huge mistake. We gonna, talked about that voice, before. Yeah. <laughs> who's going to voice him? Like, who, you know, what does he sound like? I don't think he used Charles Martinet. He had to. I don't think so. He is the voice of Mario. He's the weird, barky, chirpy voice of Mario, but he doesn't say lines. I mean, do you really think Mario should, like, have the weird Italian accent in this thing? He has to. No way. There's no way they do that. Really? There's no way they do. They're going to get nailed by, like, politically correct groups for that. There's What's no, wrong with having an Italian accent? There's no one freaking sounds like that. Like, no one sounds like, oh, mamma mia. That's no, not absolutely they do. I had a boss when I worked at school. I worked at a pizza place called the Owl's Nest right off Temple's campus. <laughs> Temple Owl's. And he absolutely spoke that way. He called me. He was actually Greek, though. He called me Panayotes. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway. That sounds like an insult. No, it's, it actually wasn't. He's like some Greek, not even, not a god, but he's, he was some Greek folk legend who just had all the women. So it was a whatever. Greek guy with an Italian accent? He spoke like Mario. I don't know that Mario actually is like an Italian accent. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. But he'd be like, Shane, you liking the pepperoni? Like, that's what he would say if he cared. Or he'd say... Uh, Panayotes, you like the oregano? And he wouldn't be asking me if I liked oregano. He'd be asking me if I liked something uh, else. Like Far Cry 5 oregano. Right. You like the oregano? I'm just saying, I would not be surprised if Mario does not have any kind of accent. I think he will. We'll Maybe see. a Brooklyn accent. I'll bet you a dollar. All right. <laughs> I, I, I would just be shocked if they use Martinet. 
Yeah. It's just... He's, I, I think he is the voice of Mario. I, I bet you're right. He is he's the never voice really of Mario, done but here, full he, voice work. He is him. the voice of Mario, but guess what? Mario's voice is freaking annoying. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. listen to that for an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, I don't it's know how you deliver whole lines in that voice and not just, like, just drive me crazy by the end of it. There's no, no. way. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the PlayStation 5. I don't know how we got to that from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, we started talking about movies. All right. And then we just flew off on a tangent. Yeah, like we, we tried to bring it back to video games, and then we ended up talking about <laughs> your Greek-Italian... Your Greek-Italian oregano <laughs> dealer. Uh, owls. Go owls. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So now we're going to talk about the PlayStation 5, which we have discussed a couple times in the last six months because rumors just keep popping up. Yeah, it's like, it's like no, it's this. No, it's not. No, it's never coming. It's going to be four years, next year, two years, this year. Like, well, that was the, so the last rumor was this year, which I knew was just complete malarkey. Like, that would be, you'd have that in production now. If but that people was really latched onto that, Matt. Like, uh, like at night, people like... People are dumb. They are. Like, <laughs> well, like, like a lot of YouTubers, I don't. they probably do it just for views or whatever, but... Like well, you it, gotta talk about it one way or the other. Yeah, you know? I mean, a lot of times, like before I go to sleep at night, I'll just go to YouTube and kind of skim, skim over and see what's. And like last week, it was all like PlayStation Five in 2018, like over and over and over again. Yeah, um, and, and the next Zelda's coming in September. Sure. Yeah, like as long as we're, as long as we're making shit up. Well, I think like the, I know it came out of a publication you have to subscribe to for like a thousand dollars, but that doesn't mean it's right, dude. <laughs> Do you think they have subscribers? Someone subscribes to it. I mean, that, that's that's not crazy for like an in industry journal of some kind. Like thousand dollars. If it's part of like your corporate budget to subscribe to something like that, it's not like something like individual, you know, like private citizens do. Don't you find it crazy though that a publication that asks for that much money to subscribe would have such an un unsubstantiated information? Well, it's reporting the news. I. That makes no sense. This year makes zero sense. Like, it would be being made in factories now if that was the case, and we'd know about it. There's no way. You keep... If you can't keep Watch Dogs 3 and Spyro quiet, you can't keep that quiet. Yeah. Well, the good... Here's what... The good that came out of it was our favorite games journalist, someone argue the only real games journalist, Jason Schreier from Kotaku, it lit a fire under Klepik his... Klepek does, does, does the work, too. Yeah, I, I honestly don't read his stuff very much, but... It lit a fire under Jason Schreier's ass, and he went out and started digging. And uh, he, he went and talked to, literally, I was shocked. He talked to developers at first-party studios who talked to him about this. Third parties, indies. He could not find anybody that has heard anything about the PlayStation 5. Of course not. None of them. And so they're like... Well, okay, we heard the rumor about the dev kits. We haven't heard about any dev kits. Right. It was after that dev kit thing. I didn't. It was interesting. You notice, like nobody I know has heard of anything firsthand. Right. About that. So I don't, if, if anyone does have dev kits, I don't know who that is. Well, he did say that like first party guys wouldn't have never told him if they had the dev kits. But but usually that if you like someone will say like well no, I can't comment on that as opposed to like I don't know what the hell you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like, you know? And it was just unanimous. Everyone was just yeah. like we haven't heard anything about PlayStation Five. And then. At the Games Beat Summit over, I think it was over this past weekend, um, Andrew House reappears out of nowhere, and they're grilling him like about some, like some kind of WWE match. Literally, <laughs> it's Andrew House. He's got a folding chair. It's like, like, what's, like he's got the PlayStation Five. <laughs> he's beating Don Madrick with the PlayStation Five. Back on, somebody stop the match. It's like it comes Undertaker. Here comes the Taker. <laughs> 
So anyway, he's at GamesBeat and they're grilling him. He doesn't work at Sony anymore. He left. But they all know that he knows. Right. So the whole time, like, this panel's supposed to be about something else. And instead, they're just, like, hammering him about PlayStation 5. <laughs> and he wouldn't really answer any questions except the one thing he, he said was that we, I believe that console generations should last longer than they have been. Mm -hmm. And if you remember correctly, the last generation of PlayStation lasted, like, eight years. So, Schreier, in combination with Mr. House equals we aren't seeing playstation 5 for a while mm -hmm. which i think was what i originally believed anyway schreier said 2020 at the earliest that's about where i'm where i was at before until like the the dev until kit, the dev kit, dev kit rumor was like okay maybe 2019 is not but like then it turned out that like oh that didn't really pan out and schreier's article was one of the main things that sort of torpedoed that idea yeah so it looks like we're not getting another playstation it looks like that ps4 pro is going to be on market for quite a while yeah um, which I don't know if is a good idea. Although, I mean, you could put another revision of that out. Yeah, I guess not, you could. And just call it a PlayStation 4 Pro, Pro Plus? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably what they would call it. Um, you know, whatever, and just keep moving up the chain that way until you hit a point where you felt you could slap the next number on something. Yeah. Um, but how do you, that's the problem though. If you keep doing these increments, how do you ever slap the next number on something? Well, I think that's kind of the thing we're facing. Like, are we ready to say goodbye to the generation idea? You know? I, well, that, that was a part of the report was that it, the one thing the developer said is that they do believe that it will be a generational leap when mm -hmm. it does come. Which leads me to believe that we're not going to see another incremental upgrade. The PS4 mm -hmm. Pro We're going is... straight to ray tracing, baby. Yeah. Well, PS4 Pro is probably just going to end up being the only PS4 on the market. Mm -hmm. um, they'll probably discount the, the base model to get rid of all the stock that they have. And then they'll just set the PS4 Pro at the old price of the base. Yeah. And then the only thing you'll be able to buy is the Pro. And I'm guessing that, that goes for year and a half or something mm -hmm. like that, and then the PS5 comes out. I just hope the PS5 is a, is a piece of hardware that can do the... Because I, I felt uh, that both the Xbox One and the PS4 were underpowered for when they launched and how much they the Xbox One in particular, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, because they used the slow RAM. Yeah. They, they wanted more RAM in the Xbox One to handle all the OS stuff, but in the process they used cheaper, slower RAM, which meant that the OS ran like a dog. Yeah. So. Um, I feel like the Xbox One X is close. I mean, obviously, it was, it's advanced in ways you couldn't have had it been in 2013. X has DDR5. Is that right? I, that sounds right to me, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm very happy with how the Xbox One X performs. Like, not just the game stuff, but in terms of uh, how snappy the OS is. Like, they oh, finally, really? They finally, basically, they finally fixed that to the for the Oh, wow. Time. It only um, took a beast of a machine. Took for, well, it's also better on the on the vanilla one. Uh, oh, it is. A, after a, an update like late last year, it's not perfect. But I've it, been using it. It, it, it doesn't. It still seems laggy to me. It feels. It felt better for a while because I haven't. I'm I, the only person left on the planet who has the base Xbox One. I believe. I still have it. I don't even have an S. I just have the Xbox One. I still have Day One. My oh, Day really? One edition. Okay. My controller fried itself, but I yeah, still, my controller is a piece of junk now. But uh, I still have the the system. Still works. Yeah, mine weren't. Well, I've had it replaced three times, so... I, just, I sent the controller back, and they sent it back because uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't turn on. And they sent it back to me, and it still wouldn't sync. Was it still the day one version yeah. that they sent back? still the day one version. I was very specific. I want my uh, day one yeah. version back. And then I, it didn't work, so I just... I'm like, okay, so I threw it on the couch, and I've told this story before. I threw, threw it on the couch, and I picked up my other one. I started playing, and at one point, I kind of stretched out, and I went to kick the, the day one controller out of the way of my foot. 
and it burned my foot. I was <laughs> like, what? Right. Yeah, and I, I went over, that. I picked it up, and it's flaming hot. And I open it, and like the batteries have, it's just been cycling power with no lights on, no nothing. It's just been cycling power with the batteries for like 20 minutes, and it's scorching hot. Oh my and God. And I just, I like knocked the batteries out. <laughs> and I wrote, I'm like, you sent me a time bomb? <laughs> Maybe you pay for shipping this thing. <laughs> yeah. So it could have burned your house down, literally. It yeah, it was. A, that was an apartment. It was covered. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if I hadn't like gone to kick the the thing, I might have like set my couch on fire after another twenty minutes, or at least starting to smolder. And uh, you don't need. You don't want a smoldering Xbox controller. No, you don't. Not a, or any not... controller. So do you think that this is uh, good news? For us, as, a, as consumers? Well, I mean, it's good news in the sense that we don't have to spend 500 bucks for, an, for another year. So. But what if you want to spend 500 bucks to get a better piece of hardware? It's, this one's fine. Like, I, I, it's not going to move units to, you know, look at the Xbox One X. Like, there's an there's a enthusiast demographic that's interested in, like, wringing the last ounce of power out of these things or, out, or performance out of these games. And I certainly enjoy my X. I'm, you know, you know, what I'm really most excited about on the Xbox One X right now is the fact they put a 4K patch on freaking Red Dead Redemption. Right, right. <laughs> um, I don't know what Microsoft is doing with all that stuff back there because that's they're not touching the code. They're just doing that on the I Xbox. I know it's pretty crazy. That's fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. It really does. So uh, I'm super on board with what they're doing with their back catalog, but like. I mean, I'm sitting here excited to play Mercenaries 1 again. That game's like 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. In the meantime, I'm just like, oh, it's coming out in September. I don't know. Maybe another Forza. Whatever. Yeah. Don't you think, though, that most consumers, and I think that's, this has been borne out through sales of PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, don't you think that the average consumer, though, is waiting for that number before they buy again? You mean if they have, like, a PlayStation 4 and don't have a Pro? Maybe. I mean, you're going to be waiting a long time at that rate. I feel like most people don't, like, the mainstream audience doesn't care that much about, you know. I, I think I, they care when the, nu- the new number comes the out. The new number, but they, it's just because it's a new number. I don't think they care, like, oh, if I get the Pro, I'll get, like, this much extra resolution. And, like, no one thinks about it. Like, I've tried to explain that to some of my more casual gaming friends. They're like, mm, that's not worth 400 bucks. Yeah, they, like, <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, but they're right, you know. They like, are right, yeah. You know, we're, we're idiots to some degree in yeah. that regard. And, uh, you know, but, but, you know, a, a 60 frames per second mode for something matters to me, and I'll play that. And you know, certainly for something like Shadow of the Colossus, I, I feel like the Pro has delivered for what I wanted it to do. It's the same as the Xbox One X has. Although, I mean, I bought the Xbox One X uh, to in a large degree uh, for things that have nothing to do with Microsoft's current game library, right. which yeah. is not a good thing for them. But it's still, I still bought one, and I still enjoy the 4K movies on it, and I still enjoy playing 360 games uh, with better performance. And uh, more um, of those coming. 19 new games announced for that. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's good. I mean that's. You know, it's sort of like their version of like the Switch getting all the indie games from years ago. It's like you got to release something. Well, Microsoft is figuring out that a lot of people like you. That's why they got the X, and they're yeah. making sure that they're providing content for it's that. It's also great because it's like, oh, I, you know, Mercenaries. Is going, oh, great! I'm just going to go get that disc and put it in, and I got it. I don't have to pay anything. It's just I got to wait for it to download, but that's about it. Yeah. And like that's a great deal. It's like you know, you're leveraging, you're leveraging the time when you were doing well. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> Like Glory days. It's, yeah, it's never going to be a bad thing to remind <laughs> me of the time when the Xbox was my primary platform, yeah. which it isn't anymore. 
Yeah. And so that's a wise thing to do if you don't have anything to throw down the uh, down the old release pipeline, which they don't, except for apparently Crackdown 3, and that's not exactly exciting me to the degree of a 4K Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, to any degree, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm obviously, I've been on the record many times saying I'm not a big Crackdown I mean, i got to admit, the, the, one, the one backwards compatible game I loaded up on the Xbox One X that I just didn't stick with was Crackdown 1. I don't, I mean, I told you. No, well, see, I don't, I don't disagree with myself from 2000, whatever, but, yeah. but like, it's just, I just don't think it holds up. Well, Mark, it holds up. What the <laughs> I don't think it holds up today. I think, I think it, yeah, it, it, we've come a long way since then. And I didn't think it held up then. Work. But then Marcus on uh, episode 101 of Pactor Factor said his underappreciated gem was the first crackdown. Hmm. Takes all kinds. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the last topic of this week's show. Um, the only release of any relevance from this week, and thank God and, you played it because and, I... And that might be overstating it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Extinction is yeah. kind of a... Here's what I'll say about Extinction. I saw the debut trailer. I was all over it. I was like, where'd this game come from? Who's developing mm -hmm. this? This looks awesome. Watching gameplay of it. I'm like, this game looks kind of hot. I don't know. And then the reviews came in this week. Oof brutal some of the lowest reviews i have seen for a video game at least a video game that wasn't like an indie or something mm. like that in a long time i played this uh troll and i is the last game that came out that had reviews as low as this one wow i, I played this before i looked at the reviews um and it became kind of a thing where i played it and i was like I was like what are other people thinking about this and um first off i don't hate this game as much as everyone else on the planet okay it feels like um, I am most of the way through it. I am at the beginning of the last chapter of the campaign. Um, so I, I played it. I played like six-something hours of this. Um, the biggest problem with this game is it should have been 20 bucks. How much is it? 60 Oh, it's a full-price game. It's a full-price game. In fact, there's a digital deluxe version that's like 80 bucks. Dude, isn't uh, Focus Home Interactive the publisher? I don't remember. The, I know mean, it's Iron Galaxy made it. I don't remember who the publisher is. I'm gonna look real quick. Um, so, and here's so so here's the setup for this. So basically, like you're seeing here, it's kind of it kind of looks like a combination of like Attack on Titan and Shadow of the Colossus and Publishers Maximum Games. Okay, sure. I don't think Maximum Games has ever had a full price release. Really? They're like an indie publisher. Wow. Yeah. Well, they should have stuck with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're this guy, he's, he's, he's Avil is his name, he's a sentinel who's basically like a Jedi who can leap a lot and he has this, <laughs> he has this fancy sword that can cut through these things, these monsters which are called the Reveni. Um, uh, here's the thing, uh, you've already seen the whole thing. Like, what it is, is you get dropped down in, uh, it looks like procedurally generated, I think they're procedurally generated, at least randomly generated, like towns and cities or whatever. You drop you down and you have little crystals, there's, there's crystals, and like civilians gather around them, and you have to go to the crystals and hold Y, and you teleport them to safety by doing that. And meanwhile, these little creatures called, enemies called jackals, or there's four different types of jackals, they'll run up and try to kill the, the survivors, and you have to, so you have to kill them before they, yeah, Never seen a so there you go, right? that's exactly it. Um, so you have to do that, and as you kill jackals, and as you rescue people, uh, you can't the see The combat it. looks fluid. The you know, we talk sometimes about how you can watch a trailer, and you can tell the combat's janky? The combat's fairly fluid, but there's not a lot to it. And okay. I'll get to that, because, like, basically, I mean, it's one button, 
Oh, jeez. Uh, all really? the attacks are one button. Uh, it is um, essentially like it's it's all hammering X, except you can like pause, and like if you like pause and then keep it, you, like you'll get a different combo after the pause. And if you hold X, you'll do like a, a, a like a like a launch. Okay. And you can jump up in air combo, and then and like juggle. hold that again, and then slam them down. So there's a little bit of variety, but it's not like you're not talking about a Ninja Guy Den kind of they situation. They make the most out of one button. Why do you think they have a combat system that's only one button? Because it's not important. Oh. Because um, I'm getting to that. Okay. So you're doing this, and every time you kill one of these creatures or rescue a person, you can't see it because it's under the sifted logo. But uh, your rune meter fills up. So you have your life meter and your yeah, the, the orange meter there. And you'll see when he dis this guy disappears, the the rune or they'll talk to you. So they talk to you a lot <laughs> in this game. So that orange meter there is your rune meter. So eventually, as this goes on, uh, a Raveni will show up, which is one of the giant ogre guys. Okay. And they're the most dangerous things because basically, you, there's no lives in this game really. Uh, you can die as much as you want. In fact, one hit kills are pretty common if you're fighting the big guys. And you're basically against the clock in various ways. And most, mostly that is the uh, city percentage up there. If that city percentage drops to zero, you lose. Okay. Um, so the giants are destroying the, the city. The giants are smashing the city. Okay. Yeah, and the killing people. So, like, very, so basically it's like if your city drops to nothing, you lose. If sometimes you're protecting watchtowers, if they destroy all the watchtowers, you lose. Okay. Sometimes your main objective is to rescue a certain number of civilians. If they kill too many civilians, you lose because you can't rescue anymore. Um, so when the Raveni shows up, you have to go to the Raveni, you have to go to the monster, and uh, the idea is you hold, um, you hold L trigger, and that gives you a rune strike. And when you go to the rune strike, that's a rune strike right there. So you, the kind of time slows down, you sort of float a little bit, and you can aim your thing, and the idea is you want to aim at the Raveni's uh, armor. And you break the armor off, and that lets you then cut that limb off. Okay. And so the idea, and so the idea is, you cut the limb off, and that you know, cut the foot off, and it immobilizes them. Cut the arms off, and they can't smash you or hit buildings. And then you want to crawl. You have to crawl up their back, climb up their back, run up it. Really, so it's not like Shadow of the Colossus where you're slowly crawling up. You have to run up the back, and take out any head armor they might have. And then the, when you uh, fill your rune meter, when the rune meter gets full up, then you can slice slice them in the back of the neck with a rune strike and cut their head off, and they die. Is it really gory? Not really. No? I mean, there's, there's a splash of blood, but it, they, they, then they kind of disappear. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so there's a little, like, flash of blood. It probably would get... I guess it'd probably get an M rating, maybe. I don't remember what's rated. I didn't look that... Uh, I have it on Steam, so I don't really We don't have attention. the rating on Sifted yet. Um, and then there's there's different uh, types of the, the ogre guys. So, like, there's um, different colors. They behave slightly differently. The main difference is they have different armor types. So, the, they have, like, the kind of the, the wooden armor, which is you just slash it. And then there's a bunch of other better armors where they're, they're held on by padlocks for some reason. <laughs> um, and you have to slice the padlocks off before it comes. And then you can hit the, the limb. Uh, and then later on you get things where, like, there's a... Uh, uh, thorn armor and spike armor. So thorn armor will hurt you if you touch it. Uh, except there's always a place that's unthorned and you hit that part with the, the rune strike and you knock the armor off. And then spike armor, you can't actually damage at all. Uh, you have to wait until... You have to goad them into attacking you. Every time they attack you with a, an arm, a body part with the armor on it, it damages the armor. And if you damage it three times, usually you can then hit the, the now damaged part and break it off. Um... That that is where part and I'll get to, part of that part of the place the the game falls down is 
they put you later in the game in these scenarios where it's like you are timed or you have you have to protect a certain number of um, structures like watchtowers. And oh, and there's another there's a magic armor where like there's a flaming skull that holds the armor on, and you can't damage the skull unless the flame is out. And the only way to get the flame to go out is to have them attack with that limb, and then that gives you the opportunity. So the, so then like you so the the trick there is. Usually they have a helmet or something on, and you have to trick them into kind of trying to smack you on their back. They try to swat you off their back, and they accidentally damage the the, the armor. Oh! <laughs> so there's a point at which you're trying to save all these things, these these towers or whatever, or buildings or whatever, and you're on a time limit sometimes, and you're at the mercy of whether the game decides to let the monster swat at you because oh, you can't hurt them. You can't right. do anything unless the game agrees to you know, accidentally hurt uh. itself. And, like, that stuff is really annoying. And you've got, like, things where, like... Like, the game doesn't explain... At first it explains, like, oh, you have to rescue people and kill the little monsters to have enough rune energy to kill the big monsters. But they don't tell you that you get rune energy from cutting the armor off the big guys and cutting their limbs off. So you actually don't need to rescue to do anyone or do the other stuff. Because usually <laughs> if you cut enough limbs off on the way up to the head... You've earned You've enough rune energy enough to, to be able to kill them. Right. But then you run into stuff like they've got uh, bright something, bright sun, bright steel armor, I think it is. That can't be damaged at all, period. Like, there's no way to hurt it. You have to just get around it. For some reason, they never make helmets out of it. Because if they did that, you couldn't kill them. Right. It's like, if you, if you have an impenetrable <laughs> substance, maybe you should make the cover the part that I can kill you with. with that. Anyway. This game um, is nothing like what I thought it was, by no, the way. It, so this is... This is <laughs> nothing. This is, and so what I've just described there, that's the whole game. Right. That's every it's level is that. It's just a process that. you repeat over and it's, over you, again. It's, it's, I can already see it in the footage. It's, it's the almost same a thing. Ta- it's almost a tower defense where you're running around with a little guy. Yeah, that's and, what it seems um, like. And you can tell they know that because the campaign is fairly... The campaign's probably seven, eight hours. And I'm... So I'm... Just about at seven hours, I'm about to start the last chapter. I've finished all the other missions, all the bonus objectives, everything. And that's how much time that took. Jeez. Um, there are no difficulty levels that I can find. Uh-huh. So the main... And like, then you, like earn, you earn money, like the SP there, and then you spend it on character upgrades, which make things much easier. And then they have a second section in the menu where like you go in and you can play um, trials, and you can play uh, uh, daily challenges... And extinction mode, which is survival mode, and skirmishes, which are like randomly generated things, and you can get the seed for your randomly generated challenge and send it to your friends so they can put the seed in and they can play the same level. And blah, blah, blah. Um, no one is ever going to do that because nope. it's stupid. <laughs> and to give you an example of how this is going, by the way, if you, if, you know, Steam Spy may be gone, but here, here's my anecdotal data for you. Uh, I played the extinction, the survival mode thing. And what I did. What version are you playing? PC. Okay, because it's PC, PS4, and yeah. Xbox. So One. I'm playing it on Steam, and I um, so I played the extinction mode. And what I didn't know is most of those other modes are designed to be played after you finish the campaign and you've upgraded the character very heavily, uh-huh. and, and you also know how to deal with all the different armor types. And I didn't know what the hell. I was very underpowered. So I so I go right at the big guy. And unlike the the few monsters I'd fought in the early campaign, this one just swats me right away. One shots me. Uh huh. And you only get one life because it's survival mode. Oh right. So I scored one point. <laughs> I got one point for something in that match. And it cuts back and it shows me on the global leaderboard. I have one point. And I'm ranked 159th. <laughs> so, I don't think it's selling that well. 
Certainly not the PC version. Um, but it's very telling to me that um, wow. they really think you're going to play like this randomly generated version of these levels over and over and over and over like for leaderboard stuff. And meanwhile, the, stor- the story is meh. The story yeah. is kind of like the backstory is pretty interesting, but that's the, that's, you know, you're only getting that every, at the end of every chapter through an animated sequence. Um, I do like the art style. It, keeps, it reminds me of Orcs Must Die. But it also the whole game reminds me of Orcs Must Die also in the sense that I thought the that tower was tower defense su- game. <laughs> super simplistic kind of weird tower defense right. take and like once you play like three levels you've seen everything the game has to throw at you. Um, Jim Sterling had a very angry video about it today. Um, he's not wrong uh, of most of his compl- I don't think I'm not as angry at, at it in the sense that like you know, he's like, this has never seen... No one ever QA tested. Like, of course they did. Of course, right. it, it wouldn't start if no one right. QA tested. Yeah. But, I, you know, and I haven't gotten stuck in walls and monsters as much, but I will say the physics are just crazy broken in most places. Like, there's a bunch of... Where you're trying to run up the, 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 the monsters, like... The, if the monster moves the wrong way, suddenly the game doesn't agree that you're still running on him, and you'll just fall. Oh, jeez. Um, sometimes you'll change... He'll, the, the animation of the monster doesn't, like, gel with how the character moves a lot. So, you're, so you're, you're running up him, and he'll move, and, like, you'll suddenly be off him. And then you'll go to, like, air dash to get back to him, but then it won't agree... Like, you'll, you'll hit him so his, like, muscle tone is, like bent down so it thinks it doesn't think of it as a wall it thinks it's like pointing down so you can't stick to it so you just sort of hit it and fall and you've already used your air dash up so you there's no way to get back on it right. like you just fall to the ground you have to start over and that happens constantly oh, and and like, yeah it still only took you seven hours to finish right it. but by <laughs> the time by the i mean and that's like with a, a f- several retries of a few of the later missions uh with a lot of yelling um, I, the, one of them, the, the last one in chapter six, like I was making up new expletives. Hey, when a game this. makes you angry and it's only seven hours long, that's when you know it's a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of and the like, telltale just signs. Like, but it's just like constant, you know, so like, especially with like the new armor types in the game where like you basically, and you're also running you out of time. LOD right there. Yeah, the LOD is not great, especially considering like this is a game where you need to be up high and see everything a lot. So it's like, it's, and also it, the it's, environments look really small. Uh, they're pretty big uh, in some because like you can't really see how what, but it's like it's around corners a lot. But all this is like so once you've upgraded, so you see how fast that takes. To, yeah. to the, once you've upgraded him completely, you can do that fifty percent faster. Uh, so by the time you're maybe you're upgraded even slightly, you know, relevantly uh, or slightly uh, powerful, or I don't know what word I'm looking for there. Once you're even slightly upgraded in terms of like the the teleport gem thing. It's much faster and more effective to just run up to every teleporter gem and just teleport them out because by the time you're done teleporting, the enemies will not even have made it in to, to, to kill the civilian. Like, you can, oh, you can teleport them out faster than the game can try to kill them. And so it's just boom, 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 boom. So you're just running straight to these guys and doing this over and over again. And then, like, you've got these, like, weird little armor things you have to get around. And, like, as, as it kind of makes you get more creative with how you get up there and, and hit these guys... So there you can see one another one shot, and so there's no unlimited lives. It's just all timer. You know, like you can keep running back and doing it over right. and over again. And then also the game, the people you're on your little radio thing mock you. They're like, "Oh, what were you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know. What were you doing, game?" Like there was, you know, the physics. <laughs> you're trying to get up them, and like you're accidentally, you know, they're moving. So you're actually pretty run, bloody. You're accidentally running up into their elbow and or their armpit and shit. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like 
you can't get around them. There's no real control for how you can run around them or anything. Like maybe there's a there's a there's a, still a locked uh, skill in my skill tree called Wall Run, which maybe helps with that. But like right now, I can't do anything about it. So let me guess, you're not recommending that anyone buy this at full price? No way. <laughs> like this might be some like if you are really really into kind of the concept here, like and you can see right there, like. There's no way he had that kind of range right. on the swipe, but yeah. he got one shot at anyway. Yeah. And by the way, you, I'm maxed out in my health meter now, and I still get one shotted by him. So it doesn't matter how much health you have, and <laughs> and all it does is just yep, there it goes again. And like all it does is like you got to run back to him, just wasting time. Um, <laughs> and this is I don't it. know. I, it sounds to me like the reviews were pretty accurate. Yeah. Matt. This is. I mean, this. Is, I mean, look. I'm just saying. Like I am. In, I like the concept of fighting giant monsters enough. That I don't like, fucking hate it, right? Um, you know, because like I mean, Jim Sterling. It sounds like it did something to his dog, right? Right. Um, but the idea that they are charging sixty dollars for this is insane. Like, well, there's here's the no thing. way. Like, at if first I had blush, it's like I said when we first started discussing it. At first blush, it looks like it could be a really good game. Yeah. Like the first trailer for it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this could be like the next God of War or whatever. Nope. It looks the part it doesn't play the part no not at all and and like the thing is like there's something there like there's the the germ of something great in here if you took it and really did something with it because like you know it sounds like attack on titan 2 is the same thing yeah i mean this this doesn't play as well as i mean i haven't played attack on titan 2 i played the first one though and yeah. this does not play like that and it's trying to i mean you have a whip that is only used to you know, as a grappling hook, basically, right. and you can whip your way through the city. And you know, you, for some reason, you can also float, like you can kind of like glide. This is apparently a thing that sentinels can do. Uh. Um, and like, and like the lore is halfway interesting, where like kind of where they reveal what these things are and why they're doing this and stuff. And like, but, but that's it doesn't not... look like there's cinemas. It looks like there's just stills, right? No, there are there are fully animated cutscenes. Oh, okay, uh, like between. Between um, chapters, oh, okay, uh, and uh, which don't look bad. Like they, they rem actually remind me of the uh, the cutscenes. Well, Iron Galaxy is not typically a terrible developer. No, and they, they actually the cutscenes actually remind me of the animation in uh, the old Myth games. Oh, okay, Myth the Fallen Lords. Yeah, um, and they're kind of going for that in the sense that like the story is basically like humanity is dead, and this these are the last cities in the world. And you're basically just trying to delay the extinction of humanity long enough for your your buddy to figure out how to portalize everybody to another world, um, and the complications that come with that because you're the last sentinel, and everyone else died. Um, but like, if I just if you just put this in front of me and I played it for like 20 minutes, I'd be like, okay, so you're, this is like 20, 30 bucks. And the fact that they want 60 bucks, and then they'd have the, the balls to say, hey, you can also get a digital deluxe edition with a season pass for, like, 80, that's nuts. Whoever created that trailer is really good. Oh, the trailer's great. And, like, and whatever I, studio did that, if I owned my own studio, I would be figuring out who did that trailer, and I would have them make my freaking trailer. Well, also, like, like, it took me a while to figure out that the game was bad. Yeah. Like, it, it, early on, you're like, okay, cool, okay, kind cool. Kind of fun. Kind of fun, okay, I get it. Okay, knock the armor off, cut the limb off, climb the thing. It's okay, yeah. like, it's Attack on Titan, hit the back of the neck, I get it, you know. Cool. It's like, And everything's, like, random, kind of you know, procedurally generated, so everything's different. Like, okay, I gotta defend the thing. But, like, maybe three or four, like, missions, once they kind of teach you the basics and you've done this a few times, you're like, oh, this is it. This is it. 
That's all like, there is. This doesn't get any more interesting or any or any different or anything. Like, and it's mostly just annoying. After like like the the other thing you don't really see in that footage is like, so so you say you're defending watchtowers, right? And like one of the one of the Raveni comes up to one of the watchtowers. Like you'd think you'd be a situation where they're like they're attacking the watchtower and like, you know, punching the watch and you got to get up there and stuff. No, one shot. Like they just take a swing and all the buildings in front of them just kind of collapse, like disintegrate. Like like if you are not on them, like they're gone. Like that that watchtower is history. There's no second chance. And sometimes you hit these things like. So I was trying to do. This is an example of how irritating this this game gets. And you have to also have to keep in mind that it's in conjunction with the terrible physics and right. kind everything of the, else and all you're that other about. stuff. So the mission was um, uh, to defend the watchtowers and uh, and for a certain amount of time. It was like eight minutes or something. And uh, you had to pick up all the civilians. It's like the, one of the bonus objectives was like 30, rescue 30 civilians or something. So I'm running around and kill four of the Raveni. So... As near as I can tell, the first four Raveni that spawn in that mission are more or less planned. Like, the, they, they, their armor setup varies, but it's like the first one has spiked armor, the second one has the padlocked armor, third one has more spiked armor, the fourth one has uh, more padlocks. And then, so you got the four. And the, but then after that, they seem to be a little more random. And the last one that spawned, before, as we were winding down to the end of the eight minutes... Was covered completely in the bright, the bright steel armor, which you can't damage, which means I can't build my bar, my rune bar, right. to, to kill him. Yeah, and he yeah. didn't even have a helmet on. I mean, he was right there, so I climb him, kill him. It was a, but I had no humans left because I'd rescued them all to get the bonus objective, and also you got to do that earlier, or else the monsters just kill them all. Right. So the only way I could possibly kill this guy was to kill enough of the little dudes to build my bar up to oh, maximum. Geez. And I did, and by the time I was even close to doing that, he'd already just walked right up to the right. last watchtower and yeah. smashed it. <laughs> and like there was nothing I could do. And yeah. the same thing happens with like, you know, you got to you know the time you got to kill a certain number of them in a certain amount of time, or you got to like prevent another watchtower from being destroyed. And you get one of the guys with the flaming skull armor, and you got to climb up, and you have to wait for him to agree to try to swat you and hit the skull armor thing, so the flame goes out, so you can destroy it. And a couple times I've done that. And he never did it. Yeah, I just I'm just standing on his head and he's on his neck and he's not moving. He's just like I'm just gonna go kill the thing because he's like he knew. It's like he knew if, if he destroys the tower instead of trying to swap me, he wins. By so maybe the AI is just brilliant, Matt. Or maybe they they're <laughs> not procedurally generating things with the mission like requirements yeah, I in was mind. Joking, like like yeah. it's it's and this is that kind of thing where you're sitting there like watching the game screw you. Yeah. Where you're like, it. Who, who likes this? Nobody. Who, who enjoys That's why this? no one should buy it. And you're sitting there being like, this was 60 bucks. How much would you say people should pay for this? 20 to 30. 20. Depending, like, if, I mean, 30 if you really love this idea. Yeah. Um, probably more like 20. And honestly, I know we say it all the time. This this sucker's going to be in a humble bundle in a year. Yeah. Like. It's got a PC version. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but especially on, I mean, I, I, this seems to, it runs at least pretty well on my machine in, in general. Uh, I definitely do not have nearly as much getting stuck in, in walls and monsters and, uh, geometry as, uh, Jim Sterling seems to be having on the, I think he's playing the PS4 version. Um, so maybe the console versions are even worse. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I haven't played the console versions. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't, and I mean, it's just like it's, and it is. This is where we're at. It is in physically April twenty eighteen. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I'm talking, I've gotten stuck on trees. I mean, I haven't gotten yeah. stuck in them and not been able to get out, but I've been stuck on trees. I've been, you know, a lot of like, what the fuck was that? I mean, it's like, like, that's my basic, the phrase I've said the most playing this was, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And it got to the point where I was yelling back at the characters in the game. I think you talked yourself into agreeing with all the other critics. Well, I agree with them. I just, <laughs> I just don't have the, the, the anger. I mean, I did last night, I guess. Yeah. But it's like when I see like Jim Sterling saying like it was it's like the most the most insidious. You know, well, con considering he I'm plays like a, literally the worst games ever created, you would think he would have some frame of reference. Yeah, like there's nothing. There's nothing in terms of what the the terrible idea like the, the there's nothing in terms of the shallowness or the technical problems in this game that someone that got to the PlayStation One era shouldn't be able to handle. Yeah. But you shouldn't pay sixty bucks to do it. Yep. There you go. That caps it off. Do not buy extinction. Yeah, don't touch. I mean, I made. I mean, I don't feel <laughs> your, super your finances terrible. are going to go extinct. Yeah, well, I don't feel super terrible because I got it. Like it was on sale on Green Man Gaming, and then I used like a coupon oh, on okay. it, so I I basically paid what I think you should pay. Well, I'm glad that you did <laughs> because we had a game to talk Look, about. You can't keep me. You things can't, are so dry. You right can't now. keep me away from a giant monster game. Yeah, really. it's like I said, the game looks really inviting. Looks good. That's like, why I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Cause I think a I, lot of people might have been tempted. Yeah. Into... Well, I feel like that might be one reason Jim was so like virulently angry about it in that video. Is like it's real easy to watch the the trailer and stuff for this game and be like, oh, it can't be that bad. It looks right. really cool. Yeah. Like, and he's just no, trying, no, no. It is. He's that just trying bad. to impress upon you. Do not spend sixty dollars right. on this game because yeah. it is not a sixty dollar game. Like. Like, it shouldn't be. Like, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, probably because that's what it costs to make it, right. maybe. Yeah. But, like, this should not cost 60 bucks. There's no way. It's a, it's a toy to some well, degree. Vote with your money, and the next time a game like this comes around, it won't cost $60. At least we can help. Or they just won't make one. Or they just won't make it. <laughs> I, I am shocked that this is what came out of... I mean, Iron Galaxy made... Uh, Killer Instinct, yeah. and Dive Kick, which you can see a little bit in the animation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like there's a little, there's a little there's still an animation there. Um, Dive Kick was good. Dive Kick was good. Very simple, but um, deceptively. Yeah, yeah that is that is not the case here. Right. It co- I feel like it could have been. I feel like the the it's there, but they just didn't get there. Like it could have been that. It Maybe could've... a sequel will. It's gonna tank. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> there will be no sequel. If, it, if, they, if they put a sequel out, they should make sure it's thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Like, like maybe they will. You know, budget properly this time. I, I'm the thing. The thing that gets me is this game that no one had really heard of, that barely moved any kind of needle, that you couldn't even find on Steam. Like when I until recent, like because I went to go like, oh, I think that's about out. I should go look and see. Uh, you know, when it's coming out, I, I should pre-order it or something to see. It if was it, our trailer yeah. of the week one week. Yeah, but I looked Extinction. it up and like I put Extinction in the Steam and it didn't come up. <laughs> I, had to, I had to Google it and look look at it through the website and to add it to my it. wish list to even be able to look at it in the Steam app. And then course, maybe Steam was trying to help a brother. Yeah, out. <laughs> Steam was, Steam knew the score. <laughs> All right. It's time for our trailer of we've, the week. We've hit everybody's Steam spy information and Extinction. That's right. <laughs> oh, all right, it's time for our trailer of the week. As always, while you're watching the trailer, get your questions in the chat, and Matt and I will answer some of them. Make sure you go at Sifted Games so we can pluck out the questions from the regular conversation. Our trailer of the week this week is for Vampire, the action RPG coming from Don't Nod. 
Vampire. Yep, <laughs> Vampire. To the, three people in the audience. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the studio behind uh, Life is Strange, the original, although it sounds like uh, they're going to make the next Life is Strange mm. after another studio picked it up for yeah. Beyond the Storm, which technically wasn't a sequel. It was a spinoff. Yeah, it was a prequel. It was a prequel, like, right. I mean, right. It always felt like, I think they always seem to imply that like we'll come back to Life is Strange, but right now we got to make this vampire game. And they went and done this crazy action RPG, completely out of sorts for Don't Knob, but I'm they really excited for it. Stuff they have in the, in the yeah. past, yeah. Um, they it's just, not what they're known for because Life is Strange was sort of what blew them up. First hit, yeah. yeah. So anyway, this is a story trailer. It is a couple minutes long, so kick up the feet and give it a watch. This age is sickly. An ancient poison, an older rage, brewed in a cauldron newly forged. You made me! Made me this creature! What are you? I am the land. You are our champion. Caesars don't fear the reaper, nor do the wind, the sun, or the rain. I mean you no harm. I I need help. Die, you fucking leech! A vampire. Such a crude word. No. You are now an Ekon, and that you shall remain. Have the very streets of London become a mausoleum? The previous symptoms leading up to this attack were the same, indistinguishable from the epidemic. No. There was something more vile in these reactions. Something primitive. Are you alright, Doctor? I... I can't see. Over there! It ain't human! Kill it! Where is the monster hiding? It's still in England, isn't it? Take your place among the bearers of the lance. One of us! One of us! I shall the God of Prewen has called for a second great hunt of our kind, and they will stop at nothing to eliminate us. You believe you're just fighting a disease, but it's you, the disease, Jonathan, you! We stand upon the precipice. What prevails in the end, I wonder? The desire for blood, or to be of service to man. So Matt, there, there's the classic example of the video game trailer that takes the old song, mm. slows it down to half like speed, slow, creepy and then has a girl sing the lyrics. <laughs> Definitely a video game trailer trope. Yeah, well I mean it's in movies too. Oh really? It's the kind of the slow, oh, yeah, creepy, right. bird, creepy cover of something. Gears of War started it though, I think. Yeah, Gears is probably where that first started. Of, I mean, what, I mean, and from there, everybody. I mean, what was it? It's not necessarily a girl singing it, but you definitely have the slower, sadder t version of a song. Right. Uh, even Transformers: Fall of Cybertron. Uh, <laughs> Fall of Cybertron did that. That's funny. Just like okay. Uh. I also hey. agree with whoever wrote the blurb on the sifted uh, item earlier this week. Uh, I don't understand why the 
the system requirements here are so high for that. I wrote that blurb. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Are like, you kidding does, me? That doesn't look much more. Dude, is like i7. Like, are you kidding me? It doesn't look like much beyond like life is life strange. Life is strange to me. I know. Mind boggling. I really don't get it. Uh, let's see. Nestron. Thank you, brother. So he just subscribed on our Patreon and subscribed through Twitch Prime. You the man. Maybe you just discovered us. I don't know. Maybe. But I'm glad you did. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All of you guys who have been uh, subscribing to Twitch Prime throughout the show, thank you guys very, very much. It makes a big difference for us. Let's get to some questions, as Pac would say. Um, we always have to answer a question from W. Matthew every episode. It just It's just the way it is. Uh, did you guys see the article the Steam Spy Guy wrote about Steam in 2017? A short version, not so good for non-games as service games. Did you see that article, Matt? No. I didn't either. <laughs> Unfortunately, your synopsis, I don't think, gives us enough. Um, well, I mean, it doesn't super surprise me that games not as a service is, is not doing as well. Yeah. Otherwise, the publishers wouldn't be chasing the games as a service idea. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that those are the games that not only sell well right out of the gate, but continue to generate yeah. revenue. Um, I'm really impressed with what Ubisoft has done with Rainbow Six Siege, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, when that game came out, I wrote a game eval for it on Sifted, and I did not give it a great score. Because at launch, it was kind of a mess and very low on content. And look at what that, the publisher has done with that. I mean, yeah. Ubisoft sticks with their stuff. Yeah, it did not that. give up on that game. And I haven't any, gone back and played it Any other major publisher would have given up on the crew by now as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not only there would not be a sequel coming. No. Yeah. Uh, Alright, let's try to find another one. Um, and Steep. Look at it. Steep is still going. Yeah, that might be a lost cause. Uh, JReadVix7. What backwards compatible upcoming original Xbox game are you most excited about? Which Star Wars game from that collection will make you most sad about the state of Star Wars games in the two generations since? Jedi Academy for me. Mm. So the second wave is pretty much all Star Wars. A lot of Star Wars. Mercenaries is the one I'm most looking for because I like that game a lot. Which is yeah, also, we talked about it's that. It's also LucasArts, I think. Yeah. Um, of the Star Wars games, probably KOTOR 2. I mean, the KOTORs were the, the Xbox stars. Um, although I would never play KOTOR 2 on the Xbox backwards compatibility because I would only play it on PC where you can put in the, uh, the mod that restores the ending content. Right. Um, that game, that game's a whole other story. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of other, uh, Star Wars games on that list that I really like very much. Uh, the Battlefront games are fine. Um, I do not like the Jedi games at all. Uh, Jedi Academy is probably the best of Ravens. I didn't like Jedi Outcast at all. I hate that game, actually. Um... Jedi Starfighter I like. Like, I think... I, I miss the Starfighter-style games from Star Wars. Like, you know, I, I, it's like it's like playing, you know... I love those old Starfighter games and kind of Space Sim games, Wing Commander, all that stuff. So, and, like, basically the only thing you get like that now is, like, the Starfighter sections in, you know, the, the Dice Battlefront right. game, which is, like, yeah. methadone for a heroin addict, right, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, I'll probably try the, the Jedi Starfighter one. I, I have that, I think, for... for uh, for Xbox, if I recall correctly. Conquer for me. I agree with Matt on all the Star Wars stuff. Um, Justin, I'm curious to put Conquer in again. I haven't touched Conquer Live and Reloaded for years and years and years. Here is, and I want to make sure I answer his question. This is Justin Horman. And Justin Horman had the guts to come on Beat Shane. I, it's oh, been yeah, very I difficult to get people to come on Beat Shane. These people are... 
giving us like $50 a month or more, but they don't want to play me in video games. I don't know what it it's is. It's not that good. Yeah, like I really can... suck, obviously. <laughs> you've watched that beat Shane. Justin stomps me to dirt at Duck Game. Come on, people. Uh, but anyway, he had the guts to come on and do the show. Uh, so when I reach out to some of you guys who are contributing 50 bucks or more a month, let's do it. Beat my ass. Beat me down. It's not about like how good you look or how good you are or how good I am. It's about us hanging out one-on-one -on -one playing games together. I don't really even produce the show with the idea that a lot of people are going to want to watch it or it's going to mm -hmm. do a ton of views. It's really as a thank you to the people who are donating a ton of money. It's me taking the time out of my day to give time to people who are giving worry to us. about how good you look. Look yeah. who you're talking to. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't care. We, we, are, we are not here to be the supermodels of the game journalism world. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so, uh, Justin, thank you very much for uh, playing with me. And here is Justin's question. Uh, with Red Dead Redemption getting its Xbox One Enhanced patch this week, what other 360 game that is not released on PC do you think deserves to get patched? I would love to see those enhancements applied to all three Fable games. Yeah. I don't know if that would do Fable 2 any favors, because that has kind of a gross art style in places. Um, but uh, I would like to see the Fable games uh, get some love in that, in that area. Oh, wait, the first Fable was for the original Xbox, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess Lost Chapter. I think Lost Chapters is already backwards compatible. Wasn't Fable 3 the only one that was for 360? No, 2 Fable and 3, two. Two and three okay, were for 360. Right. Um, but three, uh, I believe Lost Chapters is already backwards compatible, and 2 and 3 are as well, but they don't have any enhancements right now. I honestly cannot, with my own brain, parse what games that came out for Xbox 360 that never got a PC version. Um, hmm. I, I could not I supply that information to you. I don't think there are PC versions of two and three, Fable 2 and 3. I'm saying you're right, but I can't um, pluck out a game that I can definitively know... Whether or not it ever had a PC version. Because a lot of times the PC version came much later. Yeah, this is not 360, but you know what? I'd love to see them do this for just to acknowledge that it existed. Brute Force. Oh, gosh. Remember that? You remember the Halo killer? You have an the... uncanny ability to pluck <laughs> terrible games yeah. out of the past. You remember how hyped that, that was, though? Yeah, I remember it. That I had just completely forgotten about. That fucker was on the cover of magazines. I know it was. Dude, the Xbox got a lot of... The first Xbox, and in some cases, the X360 exclusives, got way more hype than they ever deserved. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, you brought up a couple original Xbox games today I had completely forgotten about. Uh, uh, I was, yeah, because we were talking about, like, before the show. We were talking about, like, oh, what's left? For, to, right. I'm like, I don't know if somebody really has a Jones to play Azuric or Nightcaster again. Yeah, yeah, there was a Nightcaster, too. Nightcaster. Do you remember that? Yeah, I know. I really don't. Fusion Frenzy's already on there, I think. Fusion Frenzy was one of the hidden gems for a lot of people because it was a good couch. Yeah, yeah, it was actually fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. There were a lot of weird Xbox only like games where they were where they were just throwing stuff at the wall to see what's stuck. Here's a great question from Scorfear. What game mechanic do you miss? I like the rewind mechanic of Prince of Persia or Braid. Hmm. I really like, and I guess it's still around because the series isn't dead or anything, but I really like Gears of War's active reload uh, gimmick. It's hardly ever done. And no one, I actually asked Cliff Blazinski that once. Like, how come no one steals that? How come no one has there ever There have been really, a couple games. A couple, but like, it's, I, I, when I first played Gears of War, I was like, oh, this is how you're going to reload from now on. Like, this is just how games are going to do this because this is such a good idea. And like, 
so I mean, like Battlefront Two does it, and that's the only other game like that I pl- I can think of recently. And I asked him once, and he's just like, "I have no idea. I think it's great." <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "I agree." It's like, yeah. so yeah, I think th- that would be something I would think of. Is like, it's not just that like I miss it because I can always just play Gears of War, but like, it's weird that more people don't steal that. Yeah, um, I would say, and I talk about this game all the time: flying in Star Siege Tribes. Mm. Um, shooters just do not let you fly. Uh, that's probably a big reason why I liked Lawbreakers because it had those sections of each yeah. map where there's zero G. And you could actually get that Z axis in on the combat. Yeah, um, I'd say like that and like Titanfall are the only two that really yeah. exa- you know use that to any real degree. Yep, a lot of times you'll get them in a shooter, but it's like you get one burst and then you fly and you land down. But like the flying in tribes, like you could actually manage your pack so you could jet up and then you could just like burst it and actually get like crazy long distances mm-hmm. out of it um so that for me is like a mechanic that i would love to see come back but i doubt it ever will um let's see if we can get a couple more here kadaz one are loot boxes done or do you agree with jim sterling that the industry doesn't have that kind of class <laughs> do you think the esa will go after mobile games in the same way or is that someone else's wheelhouse I'm gonna need to read that again. Are loot boxes done, or do you agree with Jim Sterling that the industry doesn't have that kind of class? Uh, do you think that the ESA will go after mobile games in the same way, or is that someone else's problem? Really, is what he's. What he's I saying. think the mobile games are someone else's problem. The ESA doesn't care. Um, I don't. I think it should care. It should, but it doesn't. Because to us, we we consider mobile games like this other class of games. Mm-hmm. But to the people who actually can make changes to this kind of stuff, they're just all video games. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we should allow the ESA to compartmentalize and say, "Oh, we're only well, going to work on core games or games that like hardcore gamers care about." Well, you're right, but it's not about allowing. Like we don't get to call the shots the ESA does. And right. let's not forget. That's been in mobile games for a decade now. And we didn't, you know, nobody gave a shit until it showed up in a Star Wars game. You know, if like, they took out stuff like that out of mobile games, the whole industry well, would collapse. mobile collapse in it itself. That's the whole collapse. point. <laughs> it really would. I mean, the mobile industry is about exploiting psychological defects in people. It's yeah. not about making good games. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, you've, you've actually learned that firsthand over the last like six months. Well, I think if you if you've sat in on anything where like you know, where you see like kind of we don't have E3s for mobile games because that's not what they're about. Right. You know, they're about manipulating people from a marketing standpoint. Let's hit the other part. Are loot boxes done? No. No. <laughs> not until people stop buying them. Yeah. I mean, look. Overwatch is going to keep loot boxes. <laughs> Even if everyone else got rid of their loot boxes, Overwatch is going to have loot boxes. Because people forever. don't complain about them with Overwatch. Right. Well, also, like people don't complain about them unless they're in a game they care about. Right. Like you know, like everybody freaked out about. I've said this before, but everybody freaked out about Battlefront Two because they want to play the Star Wars game. No one gave a shit about you know all the loot boxes are still in Need for Speed right. Payback yeah. because no one cares. No one plays it. But the integration in Need for Speed Payback is actually worse. Way worse. Yeah. But no one rose through a fit about it because. Well, there was like a mild rumble. Yeah, but no and one... And then EA put out a statement about it, and then no one cared. So right. I wonder, no one ever even bothered to follow up to see what actually happened. The, the, the furor over loot boxes will stop after they stop putting loot boxes in games the core demographic wants to play and doesn't want to ignore. Yeah. That also happened with Shadow, uh, Shadow of War. Yeah. Um, so as soon as that stops, people stop screaming about it, and the ESA can quietly go back to not caring anymore. Yeah. Like, that's what's going to happen. Is they're going to take loot boxes out of Luke boxes? That's 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 what they should have called the Battlefront boxes, Luke boxes. How do you miss that one? 
So they're gonna, they're not going to go away. They're just going to go away in the games that we 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 get angry about and then don't care about how they're exploiting people that play mobile games. All right, let's let's answer Nestron's question. He is a brand new uh, Twitch Prime subscriber and a brand new patron on Patreon. So let's answer his question. What do you make of Lawbreakers failure? Well, in part, we talked about that with uh, in the Radical Heights. Notice you had I, to check the I name. had to look at the paper. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It is not a memorable name. I personally was really disappointed that it failed miserably because I really liked it. Uh, you can go read my game eval for it on Sifted. Um, I was a fan of it. I really liked it. I liked the Zero-G stuff. I liked... Uh, that it did have some unique mechanics, like the ability to kind of shoot behind you when people are running after you. That's something that, like, shooters, all shooters should have. Mm. Like, it seems like if you get caught with your back to someone, you're just instantly dead. And, and a lot interest. of shooters, if that happens, I just quit. Mm. I'm like, oh, they're going to kill me. But in that game, once you got good at it, you can start shooting from behind. At the very least, you could maybe survive and get away. Uh, I thought that mechanic was great. I thought the Zero-G stuff was great. I thought the art was terrible. Um, it, yeah, it was it, very it, indistinctive. It had a lot of good ideas. It's just, you, I looked at it and it just didn't spark anything. No marketing from Nexon. That was that that didn't help. And it cost a lot as a buy. It was at forty bucks. Yeah, it, saturated market. Uh, it was kind of hard. I think was a and, problem. And too. it also had it also had yeah it had a definite skill ceiling yeah. or, or skill floor. I guess you'd right. say you had to get a certain. A certain amount good at it before yeah, you, you could get your, you got get your ass handed done. to you the first few times you played it. And it also just had the misfortune of sort of being, you know, it was an arena character shooter uh, that entered right as those sort of ended and the PUBG thing became the, the big, the new hotness. And everyone sort of already had their arena shooter if they weren't going to move on to a PUBG thing. It was a character shooter that had no character. That too. <laughs> That was probably its biggest problem. I mean, you look at the, the art and the characters in that game. I can't remember a single one of them. No, it, it, they all looked like like characters that someone would have modded into Unreal Tournament '98. <laughs> You're right. Like, it, I it, actually really love the game. I'm really disappointed to see it do poorly. Yeah, um, it was a good game. It's just you know yeah. it it didn't Market catch wasn't in there. Every, every element. Just was either poorly thought out or poorly timed through no fault of its own. And it just didn't help that you look at it. And it, look, it looked like a it looked like a arena shooter that was made up of background characters from '90s Image Comics. Like yeah. it, it just <laughs> it just didn't catch. Uh, and like I mean, at least Radical Heights, like the the characters pop a little bit. Yeah, pop and, in some the wrong ways in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, I mean, there's not much stand to out, it. Though. There's not much to it right now. But eventually, yeah. I can see them having just crazy. This is not a, the same kind of thing where, like, you, in like PUBG, where your people are trying to dress to not stand out. Like, this is a very yeah. It's really easy to see people like oh, yeah, running absolutely. around in yeah. Radical High. It's not a stealthy game, which uh, and it's not a bunch of drab grays and browns where right. people kind of blend into the environment. And you can see that, like, you know, the the clothes that are available to like upgrade and buy, like, people are going to look crazy in this game. It's not going to be about sneaking around, not making sure nobody sees you rolling around on your belly. It's going to be like, oh, like, it's just crazy. Everybody just, like, you know, I, I can see that guy three buildings away through the plate glass window because he's got fireworks in his hair. You know, right. like, like, that's the kind of thing I think this game's going to be, which will be a, a different a different uh, experience than what the competition is offering. And at least, like, after playing it for that amount of time, I can come back and, and talk about it like that. Whereas with Lawbreakers, I'd be like, yeah, that was cool. I like the, the swinging thing, but I suck at it. So I just... 
I swing and I fall off the level. Or, you know, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, the, the barrier of entry was, was high and there should be a market for, you know, really highly skill-based shooters, but I guess not. I, you know, things aren't always the way they tribes should be. Tribes was never a big hit either. No, Star Siege Tribes was, uh, you know, people like you, I, I never played it because I didn't have access to a PC at the time, but there's that subset of people that that's what they were playing at that time like you, and they talk about it like this golden age of their life. Yeah, like it's it's well, it's, it's so far ahead of its time because it had the whole vehicles and base yeah. stuff like way before everything. And they game. all, you know, everyone else says like you know there was no, there's never been anything else like it, even the other tribes games. No, they've tried with it, the yeah. new tribes games and they just didn't have that spirit to them. They got too complicated, mm. and it already was complicated, and they made it even more complicated. So that's it for episode one twenty four here uh, on Sit the Games Game Face. Probably is going to go down next Friday. I'm thinking we'll probably get back to the Friday schedule. We're almost there anyway. And Friday worked out a lot better for us as far as people being able to watch. Um, during the week, we just get far fewer people watching a stream. We want to make sure that you guys can watch it if you have the time. And I think in Europe, we're pretty much in the weekend already on Friday. And obviously yeah. here, we're already in the weekend on Friday night. So probably going to go back to Friday. Um, and again, just a couple more episodes of Game Face left here in our studio. Uh, for those of you who may be tuned in late, we got booted out. We are we along with everybody else in the building. Yeah, this whole wing of the building, everyone is thrown out. Somebody came in to rent out the whole suite or the whole wing of suites, um, and so we have to get out by May fourth. So stay tuned. We're working on that. We'll figure out something. But yeah, we only have a couple episodes left in our in our studio. Hmm. We're gonna miss you, buddy. But uh, where will we freeze to death now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, before you guys go, if you can take a minute to subscribe uh, through Twitch Prime, we'd appreciate it. and give us a free $2.50, which adds up very quickly and makes a difference for us. And it'll help us on our search to find a new home. So thanks for watching. Thanks for everyone on the stream. Thanks for everybody who did subscribe through Twitch Prime tonight. We appreciate it. Game Face is up and out.